Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. Today we are recording episode number 62. Uh, we're very excited to be here. And today we will be talking about independent language study versus taking a language class or a language course. So we're hoping to give you guys some insight on some advantages and disadvantages of both of these types of uh, methods to learn a language. Um, like everything in life, there's always going to be some pros and cons, so we're looking forward to it. Hopefully, we can also give you a few tips to help you regardless if you are an independent language learner or someone who is thinking about enrolling in a language course somewhere. So we're really looking forward to it. I'm very curious to hear my uh, co-host insights, my buddy Jared. What's been going on, Jared? Hello. I'm filled with insights. Filled to the brim with insights. Um... But before we get to those insights, you know, you know, that's a teaser for everyone. That's a teaser. Like, ooh, insights from this idiot. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, this idiot also has a Twitter and follow it. Untranslatable right. one, the number one. Uh, our Instagram is Untranslatable Podcast, which is, you know, I always brag about our Instagram, but it can only go to the next level. And it has, now that our clips are actual videos of, of um, you know, moving real life people that's right and we're uh, not a simulation everybody we are real <laughs> and um you could also email us untranslatable podcast at gmail.com tell us about your um your um uh you know stories untrans you know your, your traveling stories your, give us some untranslatables you know weird sayings that your parents say to you that don't really make any sense but you know what they mean or just other idioms you've come across from some of your friends that uh, are not from wherever it is you're from. Who knows? Maybe they are from where you're from. Um, or you could um, spread a little love and give us five-star reviews, too. That would be great. Absolutely. On iTunes and Stitcher. Um, hey, I have a question. Hopefully I have an answer. Uh, how's it been going with, with the year? Like, uh, I feel like I need to remind myself uh, to, to check in on the teaching. Uh, uh -huh. when uh -huh. do you get new students? First of all, has that happened? It's, it's coming up okay. it's right around the corner. Oh, so I will be I'm itching. For, for I know. That. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to meet them because most of the students I've taught maybe one or two lessons here, here or there. So I, I have a kind of a slight idea of who they are, but overall I don't really know where their skill levels are at and, uh, truly who they are yet. So I'm looking forward to that mm -hmm. and I will be meeting them after, Next week. So I believe it will be like the third, second or third of February will be the first day of the second semester here in the Czech Republic. Okay. And then I will be teaching the uh, first year and second year students. So for our American listeners out there, this would be the freshmen and sophomores. So that should be interesting and fun. Um, and I will be teaching a couple of my, uh, or at least I think one of my fourth year classes um, they're such a pleasure to teach that uh, we were able to make it work with my schedule to continue teaching them as well. Nice. How nice of you. You're such a... You're such a you just got to... Spread a little love, <laughs> spread a little English. Um, That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, do you have to give um, final exams? Thankfully, I do not. So I've been very lucky that the only really assessment that I do is prognosis of how the students are doing in the class. Mm, like a doctor. Right? Kind of. I've that's analyzed right. their English for months. Dr. Chad, the language doctor here. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, so it's it's really great that I don't 
I don't usually give a lot of homework because I figure if we do a lot of work in class, what's the point of, and plus since I'm their speaking and listening teacher, there's not really much, I mean, I could, I could say learn this vocabulary or do that, but a lot of these students already speak pretty good English. Right. And at the same time as well, uh, especially the fourth year students, they have the big exit exam here, which is called the Maturita, which will be coming up in a few months. So let's be honest. They have more, they have higher priorities right now than Chad's English homework. So there you go. Does it kind of feel like, um, you know, we're talking about your, uh, you know, these new students you're you're, you're getting. I don't want to neglect your your, your old, uh, old tried and true students. Do um, d- does it almost feel like the the time you spend with them is not a, like not not that it's not enough because you have no, you know, to make that decision. But it's like oh, I'm just getting to know these people. It's like all right, bye bye. Oh, hundred percent. I think that's usually the case with. I guess you do a anyone lot of that. who right. It, yeah, I mean that's been that's been the story of my life now, for the last honestly, it feels like the last eight years. Even undergrad, I mean, I was I was happy to graduate. But it went by really fast, and graduate school was the same way. That's a good point. That's a good you know, point. And, and so it went from being at Albion to East Lansing, now the Czech Republic, and who knows where we'll be next. So, <laughs> so yeah, and th- that's right. A little <laughs> teaser for all of our listeners out there. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's been great getting to know them, and that is the sad part about it. And the other sad thing is I only teach them one lesson a week. So it's been a lot more gradual in terms right. of getting to know them. I think if I usually in the Czech Republic, teachers will teach two lessons a week of English to you know each class, mm. and so for me, I only get one. So it took me a a while to learn their names, and plus, you know, there are so many students to keep track of. Most of my classes have anywhere from ten to fifteen, and I teach what I teach. I think twelve or thirteen different classes. So I mean, if you do the math, we'll just we'll just make it an easy number and say. Each class has ten students. That's over 140 students' names I have to memorize. Do you uh, uh, develop a emotional attachment to your classes, where you're like, oh, oh man, of course, I got to say goodbye. Today, it's always a like a sad moment. I feel like I oh yeah, oh, today it's like getting a dog was, and knowing that it's gonna die before you right. too. <laughs> yeah, true. That's very true. That's why you Just have to get like depressing. a. A pet, a pet tortoise or something that'll <laughs> outlive, outlive you, maybe like a bird or something. <laughs> right, exactly. No, actually, it's funny you mentioned that though, Jared. Today was today and yesterday were my last days with a couple of my classes because next week I will actually be in Humpelets in the Czech Republic for a meeting with my organization. So, mm, like a debriefing. I won't be at school. So, um, so it was a little sad, to, and a lot of them were. I saw the look on their faces of, of either sadness or what have you. Uh, smallest violin in the world. Right? in here? <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, I'm not going to lie, man. I am a little worried when the end of the year comes. Um, I mean, you know me. I'm a fairly emotional guy. I'm worried I'm not going to be able to keep it together have when you, it's time to really say goodbye. Has that happened before? Have you broke down in front of a class? Never, no, no. I've never broke down in front of a class. Oh, but I would pay when to I, see when that. I left, <laughs> when I left Austria, I know you would. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. I'd be I mean, when I left Austria, though, 
Yeah, that would be you. Or you'd be going like this, world's smallest violin. Like, oh, so sad. No, um, no. Or maybe the, no. like the one tear coming down, <laughs> yeah. something like that. But um, no, when I when I left Austria, I remember looking around my 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 room at my apartment, and it was empty because mm. I had moved all my stuff. I stayed there a couple extra weeks with my parents, and I gave my keys to Thomas, and I. I looked out the window, man, remembering the first day we got to Vienna. Yeah. Looking out the window at Lipatsgasse and and feeling feeling this utter sense of like, how is this possible? I, it feels like day one, you know, it felt like yesterday looking out that window and feeling a little bit excited, really, to be honest, kind of scared because I had no idea what was going to happen within the next year. And then looking out that window thinking this is the last time I'll maybe be in this room ever and that's the truth because i don't think ies owns the building anymore okay do they so, like switch that around all, all, all often like places pro- probably that they i i would imagine so but i'm i'm the wrong person to right. ask that right, 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 right but yeah so so we'll see if i can hold it together um <laughs> during the end of the year so far it's been okay with you know saying goodbye to these classes because i know i'll still see them around you know it's not right. like i won't see them um for a while so we'll see but speaking of uh, teaching in classes, man, I've had some uh, interesting, uh, interesting discussions this week. So uh, I had to figure out, okay, what would be a meaningful last lesson for my third-year students? And I thought, you know what? Let's talk about the United States because we haven't talked about it really yet in my class with the third graders. And so uh, we, we did a little bit of geography and uh, talked about stereotypes, which was really interesting. Slipping what, on gator piss. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, what do you think some stereotypes are that my students mentioned? Were they like? Ra- are we talking racial? I'm talking all over the place stereotypes. Oh, why are you gonna put this on me now? Because <laughs> it makes it more interesting. I've already been talking too your, much. Uh, well, no, just tell me what stereotypes you think they they mentioned, and I'll tell you whether or not they did. Um, no pressure. Well, I'll make it easy on myself. I'll okay. just do black. I'll think of black people to start with. <laughs> I mean, some some students did write black people on the board. Yeah. Okay. 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 Then I'll start with the safe one. Some something that I can identify with. Um, uh-huh. That they um, are criminals. No. 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 So I I told the students. Um, <laughs> see it now. Write, I feel like an asshole. <laughs> right. No. See, well, I, I told the students write stereotypes were... about America. Like what? When you think of America, what do you think of in terms oh, of stereotypes? Oh, generally, I thought you meant of people yeah, within yeah. America. Okay, no, some no, other stereotypes I was going to have for black people is better rhythm, um, <laughs> trendsetters, <laughs> uh, great style, and very friendly. Um, I mean, I feel like those are all, those are all <laughs> no, <really> no. positive <laughs> stereotypes. I, I didn't have other ones to say. It, it just felt like it would be weird if I left it at they're all criminals, and then just we move on. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, no, anyway, um, stereotypes about uh, Americans: uh, greedy. I I didn't get that one. Okay, nope. uh, off to a great start once again. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, loud. Nope. Although although I think when you and I think of American stereotypes. That definitely comes to mind. Friendly? I asked, I also, friendly was one of them. Very good. I also have to admit, I asked my students, have they met American people? And most of them, I've been the first American they've ever met. Which I feel like is kind of a gift and a curse because puts a lot on. I think in some ways I'm a normal American, whatever that means. 
But I think in a lot of other ways, I'm I'm not your normal American. Like talk that calf out of that heifer. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what what do you think are some other stereotypes they mentioned, Jared? Um, do they say racist? They did not. Okay. Although I have talked about that because uh, I would with say some of my classes. Because if they did, I would say that's the not an unfair stereotype, but uh, that's not an American specific thing. Um, I would agree with that. Uh, let's see. Huh. I'm trying to think. It's harder for me to think uh, so broadly about America because you know mm-hmm. when I, I I think so more specifically about different groups. What do you think about? Um, do they right. think that we're all rich? Believe it or not, no. I was curious to see if if they would write that. But I mean, think, put I mean, yourself in the shoes of check out this of, of a check, you know, pray. a 16, 17, 18 year old check <laughs> check student. Put yourself in their shoes. Like, what do you think they hear about? What do you think they know about in terms of the United States? Uh, oh, like uh, probably a lot of the um, media. I feel like a lot of the stereotypes might have to do with different culture around media. So whether it's famous actors or musicians or or... See, I think you're still going a lot deeper than my students went. Man. I'm talking like really surface level stereotypes <laughs> and things people, foreigners would associate with America. I can't help that I'm deeper thinkers than your students, okay? Look. You're not... also older and you're also <laughs> American, so I think it puts fault. you in an advantage on a couple just give, just, just give me some examples. Give me an example of, All right. and, and uh, maybe I can, I'll, I'll, I'll pick fat up Fat people. Okay, fat people. Oh, it's a little like stuff like we eat a lot of food, big portions. A lot of fast food. A lot of fast mm-hmm. food. And uh, a lot of my students, I, I, we were talking about different fast food restaurants, and uh, we, we had an interesting discussion about White Castle because a lot of them have seen Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Mm-hmm. So that was what a, do they a think about White talk. Castle? I've only really eaten there once, and it was like I was in like early middle school or something like that. I mean, they, they, they don't really maybe they I don't really know much about it or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they don't really know much because it's just from the movie, right? And right. so they, they asked me about it. They were like, is the food good? And I'm like, well, your body's going to regret it the next day. But otherwise, I would say in terms of taste, I think White Castle isn't too bad. Um, but it doesn't look very appetizing. Doesn't have it's a good really, reputation. really, cheap. Doesn't, that's true. I would say, I, I really wonder how much revenue White Castle made after that movie came out. I mean, it definitely it definitely helped. It definitely really gave it a boost. I'm sure they're like, um, this movie's ridiculous, and it doesn't really it's not really the best look. But I mean, we we've got a lot of friendly stoners now showing up. <laughs> As right, if Neil right. Patrick Harris is here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I I mean, I would say this though about about um, about what's the place called? White Castle. Uh-huh. I think. Excuse me. <clears throat> oh my gosh. I think the reputation has gotten better over time. And I think it used to be like at least to me the reputation was always like it was the lowest of the low. But I think over yeah, time yeah. it's it's in my head it's sort of reached parity with like McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King. Now to me all those places are the same. And it's like how is White Castle any worse than those places? It's all just perception and Interesting. I would I would definitely say it's worse. Okay, well I, I've also I couldn't really tell you once why, again, I've but... only, I, I I never go there, so I don't right. actually know. Right. So, yeah. So, some other stereotypes. So, fat people, fast food. By the way, I think that fat people stereotype is starting to um, not go away, but I don't think that's starting to be as true as it used to be. I think it's still true. 
But I, I think mm-hmm. we might need to slowly retire that one. Right. Well, I explained to my students, I feel like the United States is a lot of extremes on both sides, right? We have these really, really obese people, but then we also have these fitness nuts who are like super jacked <laughs> in great shape. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard to say. And I think a lot of people are very athletic in the United States. People, uh, depending on where you are, um, I think you could find a lot of people who are in fairly good shape. Right. Um, like I've been to Los yeah. Angeles and I, I, I mean, I've never felt uglier in my life. I mean, you know, I knew I was <laughs> ugly, but I didn't, I didn't need to be reminded at every corner that I, I, every time I, every person I looked at, it's like, oh, right, 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 right. There's a, there's a lot, a lot of improvement that could be done on this, on this form so so basically what I'm hearing from you is I need if I go to LA ever in my life I need to make sure I'm feeling really confident when I go. I think you'll do just fine. You're you <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> just bring your guitar everywhere with you, like uh, your Jack Johnson or something like that. I don't know. I, I I don't know if he does that or not. I feel like he uh he does. Wear sandals a lot. Oh god, I hate sandals. I do too. I don't really like shorts either to be honest with you. I'm st- I'm starting I, to lose interest really in shorts. Either. Interesting. Anyway, some other stereotypes. Uh, they mentioned like cars and muscle cars and Americans driving everywhere, which unless you live in a big city, I would say that's fairly true, like at least driving most places. Yeah. Because uh, things are so spread apart. I would I would ask those people. I, I agree with them. But I, if if any of those people in there that were talking about muscle cars and stuff were legitimate like car, like um, car nerds, they would admit that they love giant V8s as well. That's like a staple of the... Right. Like, so, yeah, I mean, we're known for that, but is that, I guess the stereotype doesn't have to be negative. Why am I getting so defensive? Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure why you are. <laughs> These are just things I ask my students, you know, right. and they told me this is what they associate with the United States. A lot of them also wrote like Hollywood or famous movies. Right. I did mention um, that one. You know, it's mm-hmm. interesting though. I, I, I think that kind of shows like my American ignorance right there is that I kind of just like expect. When you know, when I first started rambling off stuff about you know way more specific stuff, you you know me as an American, you just expect that people from not from America know so much more about your culture than they have any reason to know about. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I would also like to think both of us are are thinkers on the podcast, and I mean, I the goal of this activity was just to um, start to get the students to you know get the wheels turning, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get them to start thinking. The goal of that activity wasn't to Let's do a, a deep analysis of American culture and have this philosophical discussion about all the complexities right. of race and religion and all these things. Because, you know, I could definitely do a lesson about that, but it would take a lot of preparation, mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of just extra. That's a hard, extra research on. I my mean, end. that's a hard lesson to put at the end because I feel like with a lesson like that, you might need a follow-up. Like, there's, like, there's just a oh, chance. for sure. <laughs> you for might sure. need a follow-up. Right, and I wanted this lesson to be light and fun and interesting for the students. Right. So what was also fun, though, was I talked about stereotypes about the different regions of the United States. So, you know, we have the West, we have the Southwest, the Southeast, the Northeast, and the Midwest. Obviously, it was hard for me to be um, very neutral because, you know, I do love the Midwest, and I am a Midwesterner. Um but, you know, I, you correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, but I feel like people in the Midwest, and I think Don even mentioned this in our previous episode. Also, a uh, shout out to Don. He was a fantastic guest. It was great to have him on. Um, but I feel like Midwesterners have a different level of friendliness. Would you agree with that or no? Um, 
Yes. I, I mean, I'd agree, but I also say it's comparable to what you'd find in the South. So I would say okay. it's not exclusive to... Um, I think it's just those areas that, like, like are just... In, like, it's it's sort of those less... I don't want to say less populated, because I don't know what it is about it, but there is something about... I, I think it's... There is something about the, it's the South... the smaller town vibe, right? I guess so, I guess. But, like, I, I think people would say that about Chicago as well, you know? Really? I don't find people that friendly in Chicago. Yeah, but that's because you're from a, a small community in Michigan. That's uh, true. But maybe someone from New York or Los Angeles or something like that would. Who knows? That's I don't true. Know. That's true. It's all about your perspective. That's true. I feel like I've heard, at least from my listening to podcasts of, of people from those fast-talking, big-moving big towns, that they seem to think that Chicago is, uh, you know, it's obviously, you know, it's obvious, it's not like you're going to... Um, you know, you know, um, Dexter or something like that. But they, I, I, it does seem that they might have a, like a more of a, and maybe if it's not nicer, it's just more of like a, that sort of opening, like friendly sort of, you know, you betcha attitude when you go to a grocery <laughs> store or something like that. Right. Well, and, and it's funny you mentioned that I use the example of, you know, where I'm from in Michigan, it's not that strange to be in line in the grocery store and someone to just randomly start chatting you up for whatever reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. And and you should have seen the look <laughs> of sheer horror on my students' faces because they were like, what? Like, you, you go to the grocery store or you're waiting for your bus or whatever, and people will just come up and talk to you? Yeah. Because here in the Czech Republic, that's not... I feel like, I feel like people here in the Czech Republic are willing to be social when it's a social event. But if people are like shopping or on the bus or doing their own thing, right? Like, what, what, why, why, why are you, why are you talking to me yeah, right now? We have you these, know? we have these set places to do this, and it's called parties. And if I happen to see you at one, then we'll do this. <laughs> right, exactly. And if not, exactly. Then, but then yeah, just uh, but it was a fun, it was a fun lesson. And I also, I also always try to tell my students, look, write whatever you want on the board. You're not going to offend me at this point. Like, right. I've heard all the offensive stereotypes about Americans. I mean, there was a kid that said the N-word in your class uh, a couple uh, months ago. Hey, I didn't forget right. that, by the way. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually, never forget. Actually, Remember that. Actually, That's a, Jared, a I, I have a question we never for forget. you. <laughs> I have a question for you, and I don't know how to go about this. But <sighs> I, saw, I saw a student of mine on Facebook. His status was... If an Academy Award-winning movie can say the N-word, why can't I? And I was going to comment on it, but I was like, you know what? I don't really want to get into a Facebook argument with you. Um, although part of me kind of wishes I would have said something. What do you think? Should I have said something? Should I have left it? What do you Wait, think? Wait, this is your student? This is one of my students, I yeah. would leave it alone. but Because um, you shouldn't be getting into Facebook arguments with your students. It's right. not a good look. But at the same time, I feel like that's also a good teachable moment to be like, look, man, like, yeah, but there there are a lot of reasons why you shouldn't be you're saying You're off the it. clock, though. You're off the clock. And I feel like there has to be a separation between, like, that's true. personal and, and, and professional. And, and, it, it, and it, it, it just doesn't, even, I mean, you know, even if you, I mean, maybe there's no harm in just, like, writing one comment, uh, writing your, like, a paragraph and leaving your bit. But, you know, don't, I, I just, as soon as it turns into a back and forth, that there's it's there's nothing good's gonna come of it. Even if it's even if it's not like right. arguments happen that's happening. Right. So what I would say is first of all, you live in the Czech Republic, you can say whatever you want. Who's gonna stop you? And yeah. 
I think there's and there's something to the fact that just just recognize that whenever you say it, there's a reaction from there's either a reaction or not from someone. So I what I always want to what I always want to say is no one is stopping anyone from saying it. You're welcome to say whatever you want, but right. you have to accept the consequences that come with it. And for whatever Absolutely. reason, I mean, I know what the reasons are, but for whatever reason. Uh, there is a, a connotation that causes people to react whenever you hear that. No one reacts when someone says cracker because no one gives a shit. And, be, right. and clearly some people react when you say the quote-unquote N-word. Why do we call right. it the N-word? You know, it, it's, it's, right. uh, so it's it like, first of all, a lot of power. say it. If, if, if you think there's nothing wrong with it, say it. And then when people react to, to, um, react to it, sound like an idiot and say, what's wrong with it? Well, and 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 or listen to people and say and just and, and even listen to people if they don't know what they're talking about. If it bothers so many people, then why? Uh, what right. is he? Is it is it really affecting his rap career that he can't use the N word? What's what's right? Where is it? Where is that coming into use in his time yeah, in, uh, exactly. in the Czech Republic, where he sees like a black person, uh, you know, every six years? <laughs> right. Yeah. It, just to me, it's it's also difficult too because it's hard. I think for a lot of people in the Czech Republic to put their, you know, to, to walk in the shoes of somebody like me who, you know, if, if I were back in the States, I, I mean, I don't even, I don't say it in general, but I don't say it here. And I wouldn't say it in the States because it's just like, like you said, like there's going to, in my opinion, there's going to be consequences. And even if there weren't consequences, for me as a white person, it just doesn't feel right to say it, you know? Right. And for that student also, just so uh, that student knows, the quote-unquote N-word comes from slavery. It's what yep. they called slaves. And so yep. that's why there is a negative connotation to it to this day when a white person, uh, especially who generally were the slave owners, calls a black person the quote-unquote N-word, which we call the N-word. Did he write N-word in his status? Nope. Oh, okay. Wrote well, the word out. Well, then he's fine. Well, who's uh, he said it? What's the problem? What do you mean he can't say it? You just did it. <laughs> That's there you true. go. You did it. You can say it. There, you, you, there, you can true. do it, buddy. But just know that people aren't going to like you. And if you're fine with that, right. then go on with it. And you're exactly. probably fine with that because you probably have bitch ass friends that aren't going to say anything anyway. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. But yeah. Anyways, though, back to back to class. It was a uh, was a fun lesson. I always <laughs> oh, like right. to see what kind of what kind of stereotypes. <laughs> People say, um, and one that I really liked, my favorite answer, one of, one of my students, you know, I said, okay, go up on the board, write things that, you know, stereotypes are things that, you know, you associate with America. One student wrote in, in big green letters, uh, Chad. So I like that. Oh. Thought that was kind of oh, funny. Spread a little love. Adorable. <laughs> right? I was like, well, I mean, I am American, and I'm the only American you know, so I see why you would associate me with that. I mean, so. but that's how that's how stereotypes work for a lot of people. It's, it's based off of these tiny subsets that grow to just mm -hmm. explain, mm -hmm. in a, in, you know, millions of people most of the time. And so... Um, I, you know, I think you're a good representative of America. So if if they think I try, if if they think American and they think you, I I think that's uh you, you've done your job there, right? Chad, well, thank the, you, buddy. You're you're just spreading uh, the good word of Americans. You're like a, Amer a J American Jehovah Witness. I think they call that an ambassador. <laughs> or or uh, aren't the aren't the people from church? Aren't they called missionaries? Right. That's what I was looking for. Because I feel like Jehovah's Witness, unfortunately, have a slightly negative connotation. 
knocking on people's doors. Oh, all right. I was like, they have no you really know. less negative connotation than any other. Um, but yeah, that is annoying. <laughs> right. <laughs> never happened to me but, though. Yeah. Remember in uh, when we were in Austria at uh, I'll the, never forget the main uh, the main train station. There was those uh, were they Jehovah's Witnesses? Uh, probably. I something think so, along yeah. that line, where they would they would like they would just hustle people down. To spread mm-hmm. that word of Jesus, to, to just uh, right. spread a little hey, love. Hey, 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 happen to your side? Happen to your side? Spread a little love. <laughs> right. And it's like. Uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I've actually um, memorized the phrase, I don't have time in check, when people have come up and approached me. It's Nemam Chas, I don't have time. Okay. And uh, it's, become, it's become a useful phrase here and there. I, I was in Prague. And uh, and this this guy tried to stop uh, my buddy David and I, and I said, "Nemam chas, don't that's, have time." That's probably a good time to drop this. Nuvete anglitski. Yeah, but in Prague, most people do. That's a so good that, point, especially if back, they're trying to scam you or something like right. that. Right. <laughs> exactly. And they're like, "Oh yeah, exactly. of course." So anyway, you're like, "Oh." So Jared, I, I uh, I'm going to change gears a little bit here. I had a terrifying moment earlier today. Uh, while I was uh, setting up for the podcast, well, not even while I was setting up, but. I got hungry, so I figured, all right, I'm going to make myself a little little sandwich. And uh, I usually toast my bread, right? I buy the, uh, the, the Brötchen or like the bread rolls here because they're, they're just as good as they are in Germany. Um, some of our German listeners might not like hearing that. But I would say, you know, they're baked fresh. <laughs> I mean, it's just bread. Good. How offended exactly. could they be? <laughs> Germans are proud of their bread, man. Trust me. Even just Germans a standard Brötchen, I've never found it to be anything. I mean, it's not that it's bad, but I've never found it to be anything particularly special. That's true. Anyways, I, I went nice to go roll. I went to go toast it, right? <laughs> okay. I pushed down on the toaster and all the lights went out in my kitchen. Whoa, what? And, <laughs> yep. And then the bad thing is the lights that are so I think the way the circuit board is set up is so to the to the left of my apartment, all those lights are on one circuit. To the right of me, they're all on another circuit, right? So that means when my kitchen lights go out, my bathroom lights go out. Um the lights in my corridor go out. Also, it's connected to my Wi-Fi router. And the first time I blew a fuse, I tried using the switch on the main router, but there's actually another router out, or not router, but um, um, fuse box outside of my apartment. And you need a you need a Phillips head screwdriver, which I do not own right now. <laughs> I don't have a Phillips head screwdriver. So I thought, crap, oh, it was like God. almost eight o'clock. And I was like, I do not want to call my my mentor, who who I'm renting this apartment from, to drive all the way here, just to ask the neighbor downstairs. Well, she probably has a screwdriver at home, but unscrew it, do all these things. So I called her, and I was like, I'm really sorry for bothering you, but half of my power is out. And uh, I was the first thing I thought of when I saw that the lights were out on the router was crap. How are we going to do the podcast? Of so course, that's all. That's all I was concerned possible. about. But <laughs> exactly. But thankfully, I, mean, I could this, just but... flip one of the switches on the fuse box, and everything came back on. Nice. So it was How... like the weight of the world was off my shoulders after that happened. So do you um, have to like? Like, like, sort of actively think about how many things you have on and, and what you have plugged in, and and or is it just random? Not usually, not usually. I mean, generally speaking, I only have the lights on for the general area I'm, you know, using general in my apartment. Area. Exactly. Right, um, other reference. But, but yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I've I've had the other the only other time a fuse blew was I came home, and I I hit the. Um, I hit the the main light in my corridor, and there was like a flash, and all my lights went out. I couldn't turn anything Jeez. on. I had no power. 
Uh, but thankfully, my uh, my mentor was actually going to be stopping by in like 20 minutes to pick me up for choir. So she came in. Uh, we weren't sure. And so then after choir was done, we came back up, t- took a look at it, borrowed a screwdriver from my neighbor, and then got it all working. But when this happened today, I was like, oh, no, it's 8 o'clock. <laughs> She's probably at home comfortable. Right. This is going to be awful. But thankfully... Knock on wood, all worked. So we are here for yeah. all of our listeners today recording our episode 62. <laughs> Next episode, Chad will be, uh, the video will just be Chad all in the dark. He's like, this works <laughs> if I only have my computer plugged in and my router and I have to whisper into the microphone because I can't give it too much power. Exactly. Hello. Um, anyway. So yeah, so that was scary. But what's yeah. been, and enough about me. I've been talking way too much about myself. What's oh, been man. going on with you, buddy? Uh, I mean, really nothing, you know, uh, I was happy that you've had so much going on with your life. I've just been like, um, you know, I, I mentioned that I had to, uh, cancel my piano lesson the other day. Uh, I felt really bad about that. So I got to, uh, so that made me feel bad. But, um, you know, other than that, uh, there's not, not much. I just have to, uh, you know, learn how to manage my time. That's all it is. That's fair. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, you're a busy guy. You're doing great work for the Untranslatable podcast, and uh, right. we really appreciate it. Right. Uh, um, thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you said we. I don't. I was like we. Who's we? But uh, <laughs> me and the listeners. Oh, oh, oh. the royal we. Speaking if you of will. which, uh, five star reviews. That's uh, right. Yeah, but no, I'm doing well. You know, I'm just. Uh, I'm happy to be here. And uh, it's it's hard to. Uh, it's just. It's just. It's. Yeah, I don't know. It's just all all the the news and stuff is just it's it's exhausting. Did you hear about oh, the um, uh, uh, Trump reinstated the uh, the trans the trans ban in the for the uh, military? And didn't the Supreme Court vote vote it and it passed? Yeah. Which I just I don't understand that. I don't understand. You know, if if I were in the military and I was ambushed. I would not care whether that person was a man, a trans man, a woman, a trans woman, as long as they can do the job. Right. I don't Everyone's, think the gender really matters. Everyone is still, you know, put under the same training. Right. It's like exactly I, that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's just like if if someone wants to volunteer, I let a volunteer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you're willing to put your life on the line for our country, to defend our freedom, everything else. Right. Um, why not? Yeah. Why, why should it matter? Why should it matter if your genitals match up with the person who you, uh, truly are, you know, I mean, I know a few people, um, from East Lansing, um, that are trans and, you know, I feel like if you are, you know, when, when I was born, you know, I'm, I've always, I don't know if it's, whether it's a social construct or what it is, but I've always, you know, known that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guy, it is what it is. But I think there are some people who are truly born and um, feel like they're in the wrong body. Right. And we have the, we have the science, we have the technology um, where if, if, you know, if you truly, if you truly believe in your heart and in your mind and your soul that you're in the wrong body, you know, who, who cares? Let, let those people be happy. You know, we're only alive once unless, Unless the Hindus are, or Buddhists are right and we do get reincarnated, as far as I know, we're only alive once. So let these people be who they want to be. And also, yeah, if you want to fight for the military, good for you. Who cares if you're trans or not? I I wonder if the ones that are like currently 
quote unquote out in the uh, in the military. Like, what do they just have to like pack up and go? Some of them might be like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so what I, what I've so, heard is, what I've heard is the people who are already instated in the military will not be forced to leave. But, but even that, how future, does that, even that, like, how does that affect? Think about like how that affects the ones that are currently in there. Knowing oh, it's that, awful. It's a horrible situation. That, like they're not even wanted there. They just happen to get in, essentially. Right. Yeah. It's it's horrible. Um, it's absolutely horrible, and it's it's the same as when they when they had the well, it's not the same, but it's similar to when they had the don't ask, don't tell um, right. policy with with any people in the military who who were homosexuals. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, I've never served in the military, and I have the utmost respect for all of our troops who served and who are going to serve. But the ones that I know and I've talked to have always told me they could care less whether or not their platoon members. Um, or, or I don't know what the correct terminology is, but they could care less if they're gay or straight, you know. Right. And 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 I think anyone who actually knows gay people um, realize that if, if I'm a man, <laughs> right, right, they're just normal people. <laughs> I think a lot of people have this fear, like, like, oh, if if he's a gay guy in the military, he's gonna see me in the shower and like try to bang me. It's like, yeah. it's like, no, no like that's... that's not how that works. Um, I feel like a lot of people think, who think those crazy things are completely clueless. Yeah, I think a lot of people um, that think of those things, are yes, are clueless, and also some of them are probably scared of what they would do if they were in that situation, because they might like That's it. That's true. That's true. Did you hear about the guy? There was a guy who was uh, like one of those people that does like the gay, conver- gay conversion therapy. He had been doing it for over 20 years. He has now come out as gay and is no. looking for a partner. Yep. No. Yep. <laughs> I'm shocking, <shocked>. right? <laughs> right. Wait, he's working for a who? No, he's looking for a partner. Oh, looking for a partner, like a male partner. Jeez, good luck to the, that. Right. <laughs> that's, that's male suitor. Right. That's the thing, though. I feel like the people who scream the loudest against something. Right. I feel like a lot of times are actually that thing, and they're just so ashamed and afraid of themselves that they push it on other people or try right. to. And then, but that, yeah. And then I hate, I, I, yeah, see, I hate that. I kind of hate when, I, like, I'm conflicted because, like, I understand the joke, but, like, I, I kind of hate those jokes about, like, uh, like about Pence being gay. Because at right. the end of the day, you're really just making fun of, gay, like, the, like the that's closet true, of gay right. people. I, I don't really like that. I don't yeah, know if that, not, I don't know if that's turning me into Mr. Quote unquote snowflake, as you say, or not. But that always bothers me. Really, right. I get the joke. And I understand why people find it funny, but you're just making fun of the fact that, like people, like there are you know a bunch of people that are you know are so terrified to come out that they're just repressing it and and you know hating the right. the, the very thing they are. Right. Yeah. And it's a shame. And it's affecting uh, people. That's for sure. But you know, Jared, that's enough negativity oh, for a God. while. I think it's time. I think it's time we ought to spread a little love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the Jehovah Witness kind. <laughs> <laughs> right. First of all, let's start this uh, segment with a prayer. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, actually, first of all, let's start it with a follow-up to a, uh, a previous shout-out. Previously, I shouted out um, Jamie Kloss, who um, was kidnapped by uh, this guy, and she was taken to a house about 60 miles away from where she lives, and her parents were murdered during this kidnapping. And um, Jamie uh, escaped, and there was a well. There were two. Um, there were two rewards that were out. One from the FBI, 
and one from the uh, company that employed her parents. The company with the company, the parent company is Hormel, which you know they make meats and and pro- not make. That's a weird Hormel way to put chili. It. They produce and manufacture meat is probably the more appropriate way to <laughs> to put it. And uh, the, the the sort of the smaller company that was owned by Hormel. Uh, offered to put up the twenty five grand, and then the uh, like a spokesperson for for uh, Hormel came out and said that they were going to honor that twenty five k and give it to Jamie Kloss because she is obviously the you know the only one affected here, and mm-hmm. um and they and they said um they hope that they could they can start a uh, they could she can use that to start sort of a fund for herself and you know sort of hold her over for a couple of years until she can get her life back on track, right. Which I think is great. I, I can't even imagine what this poor girl has had to go through. You know, losing your parents, being kidnapped. 16. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so shout out to you, uh, Jamie. We really hope once again you'll be able to use that money and get back on your feet. And uh, we truly wish you the best here at the Untranslatable Podcast. And the guy, the kidnapper, just to follow up, I said this last time, but he was... Um, he was found, and he was he did plead guilty, so he's at least going to prison. So that's, I guess, some good news, right? And I he pled guilty of a whole bunch there, of yeah. like like you know two counts of purposeful homicide and kidnapping and burglary. So right. he's got a lot of a lot of charges mm-hmm. on the books. Uh, do you have any uh, any love that you want to be spread? Of course, I do. I always try to bring bring the love to spread. But first, Jared. a prayer. <laughs> that's that's right. Um, All right, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> so so the uh, the first shout out I have is there are 35,000. Have you heard about this? What's going on in Brussels? Mm-mm. So there are a record number of 35,000 school children and students gathered in Brussels to call for action against climate change. So this is one of the first uh, times that students from university and schools of advanced learning have also joined this protest. Um, So I think that's awesome that all these kids are um, being active and they're trying to fight for um, our world. You know, I think a lot of these young kids are going to be they're going to have to deal with the effects that our our parents and grandparents and great grandparents have caused with, you know, pollution and all these other things going on yeah. in the world. So I think it's great. I'm scared that they for, are coming together. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not particularly scared for our lifetime. Um you know, I, I think we'd probably because you know, let's think about it. If if we're if if we if we eat all of our vegetables, you know, we got another 80 uh 80 years <laughs> on us. And um I'm not so sure about that. Tops. I'm saying tops. Okay. <laughs> and, and I'm saying you saying you're not sure if we're going to live that long. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the world's going to be around that long. Oh, within our lifetime? Yeah. Interesting. Because I was about to say I'd I'd be nervous for the next generation, but I'm not particularly nervous for my lifetime. You think I should be nervous for my lifetime? I think you should be. I think you should be. All I'm right. I'm worried. But you know what? The, this isn't here to make Jared worried and uh, make our <laughs> listeners worried. I'm curious why though. I I I, I am kind of curious why. Well, some of it's because uh, my uncle. My uncle, who uh, both of my uncles actually have told me that you will be affected in your lifetime. One of them was a biology teacher for over twenty years, so he knows the stuff. Oh, great! And the other one, <laughs> the other one is was just a smart guy. So you just read a lot of books. I mean, my my other uncle told me he 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 says, and I don't know how true this is. 
I hope it never becomes true. But he said, in my lifetime, there might be a war for natural resources like water or food or something like that. So who knows? But that's too much doom and gloom. We're not here for doom and gloom. I'd We're love here to, to talk spread to, a little I'd love. love to talk to your uncle. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I'll, I'll have to see when he's around. We'd get him, um, we'd get I, him on our uh, Conspiracy Theories podcast. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> but my next shout out goes to uh, PhD student Lawrence Crosby. Does this name ring a bell for you, Jared? Mm-mm. No. So I, I only see the, the depressing news. Well, well, this is kind of depressing, but has a has a happy ending. One. I didn't re- so, <laughs> I read the headlines. So Lawrence Crosby <laughs> was um, driving his car um, in in Chicago, oh. trying to go back to um, I don't know if it was Northwestern or which university it was, but he was trying to um, go to campus, and uh, he noticed that uh, there was something something wrong with his car. He went outside to take a look at it. Uh, so he was trying to fix, uh, some loose part on his car. A woman saw him and because he's black, of course, she called the police. The police <laughs> showed up, um, oh my and, God. and he completely complied with the officers. Um, <clears throat> well, of course, as most of these stories go with the police and, uh, black people, um, they thought he was stealing the car. So they tackled him. And uh, beat him up pretty good. And uh, thankfully, finally, he has won a court settlement for $1.25 million um, based on the way these police um, treated him and abused him. But, you know, although it's great that he has gotten this settlement and um, hopefully can, you know, try to move past this, it just it blows my mind how how quick a lot of police officers are to judge things. And they said that, they said, this is what blows my mind, Jared. Right here, officers determined he was the owner of the car at the scene, but detained him for disobeying police and resisting arrest. They say their use of force was justified as they thought it was a case of car theft. I'm sorry, but if you if you comply with the police, it shouldn't matter whether or not it's car theft or jaywalking. You shouldn't get a beat down for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Of course. My thing is, I mean, sadly, this is just another day. But um, what happens to what happened to the cops? And what happened to that fucking woman that called the cops? Right. Uh, is she just walking around? Probably. I would I imagine I mean, isn't so, that some sort of accessory to assault or something? In theory, yeah, I would think so. And then the cops just and then the cops just keep going. It's like, well, you know, yeah, it was a mistake, but they were still just following orders, and he was not, he was not, uh, he was not participating. So we uh, determined it was a threat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, your stupid student can keep using the N word. That's fine. Sorry, he's not stupid, but <laughs> your uneducated student. Right. But yeah. Anyways, we're 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 getting too negative, and I have one more story. Um, and this one is, I think, a good feel-good story. So this is a 15-year-old um, boy named Eric Bean McKay. Loves peanut butter so much that when Lidl peanut butter went on sale for 78 cents, his mom stocked up with 72 jars. Many so freguista. Quite a bit of peanut butter. Um, and so... Um, 
So he labeled all the jars with a number and took him nearly a year to get through all of them. Um, and then he tweeted <laughs> to the grocery store chain about his peanut butter feet. So, dear Lidl, my name is Bean. I eat peanut oh butter and gosh. jelly English muffins um, every day. Um, I numbered each jar, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he said, my, mo- my mom says it's time for you to have another peanut butter sale. The tweet got Lidl's attention, and they told Bean if he could get 72,000 retweet, uh, retweets sorry, uh, representing the 72 jars of peanut butter, the company would give him a lifetime supply. <laughs> In the meantime, Lidl oh sent 72 more jars to tide him over. He's going to have that on his Tinder profile in 10 years. Right. If you, right? Uh, if you go out with me, you'll get free peanut butter. Free peanut butter. <laughs> hey, I like peanut butter. That might be a good selling point. Anyways, so he currently has 76,000 retweets uh, to his initial uh, tweet to Lidl. Mm-hmm. But here's here's where the story, though, Jared, gets even even more into the feel goods. So as as most of our listeners probably know by now, our the U.S. government has been in a shutdown. Well, he has been sharing his favorite peanut butter with uh, all of the, not all of, but a lot of the furloughed workers that work for the federal government. So I think it's great that he is willing to be oh, generous, well, obviously, on. with a... Hold on. This is in. A uh, little, what's his name? Bean. A little what Bean. He goes by. Oh, that, okay. That's why I was confused. His nickname is Bean. He's yeah, been yeah. detained uh-huh. by the CIA and taken in for questioning about this. That seems to be like he's breaking some rules, and he is going to. Looks like he's. I don't know. It's just. It, it's just trending. It just showed up while you were talking about this. So you know, shout out to him. I hope he gets gets out of prison. This is a joke. I'm just joking. Uh, you had me so confused. <laughs> but yeah, so so basically, the teen's dad is a federal government worker who's currently furloughed during the shutdown, which inspired Bean to donate some of the jars to other furloughed workers. As a result. This is what's great. Any federal employee who is not being paid because of the government shutdown can pick up three free jars of peanut butter at the Lidl uh, store in Virginia where they live. So I think that's great. Um, You know, I try to avoid bringing up more of these giving food to furloughed workers because I keep seeing this on all the news websites I go to and look at. But, you know, man, we keep recording these episodes, and I keep wondering, when will the government shutdown end? Yeah. And it's still going on. It's absolutely insane. So, uh, there we go. All this all this talk about... All, all this talk has just... I have one more shout-out, by the way. All oh, this perfect. talk has just really... I, my, I, I, my leg is shaking. My heart is beating fast. I want to slap someone in the face. What I need is a massage. I need to do some yoga. And I need to just sit and meditate. You mm-hmm. know where I can do that at? I could do where that at that? a place called Heal House, which was uh, founded by a guy named Darian Hall with uh, his partner. No, I don't know if it's like, I think business partner, uh, Eliza Shankel. And it's a uh, wellness center in New York. That's a, a, a eleven hundred square foot wellness center, uh, which includes studios for group workout uh, workshops and classes, private rooms for individual sessions, and large tranquil outdoor deck where people can practice yoga and meditation. The wellness center also includes a cafe that serves medicinal teas, smoothies, and gives people a place to meet and enjoy each other's company. 
And so this was uh, created by um, so he's he's gotten attention in um, New York Times, Essence, Black mm-hmm. Enterprise, and oh, Else. Nice. And Black Enterprise and Essence are you know black themed magazines, and I bring those ones up because he specifically made this. Uh, Darian is I, I don't know who Eliza is. I th- I think Eliza maybe is like his teammate, but Darian was the one that was interviewed in this. I guess I can click on it. Her, it's right here. Let's see if I can see who this per- Eliza is. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's just, yeah. All right. <laughs> His partner. Uh, she's also black though, but, uh, I'm looking at her Instagram right now. I would follow her, but I'm not logged in on this computer. Anyway. Um, so they, um, opened this place together and he's interviewed and he said his reason why he thought of it is because, um, he, uh, he said, um, he met his, fa- his father for the first time last summer. I believe this is current, this story. Uh, like, I believe this came out, like, you know, within the past couple of days. So I think last summer means, uh, I guess it probably doesn't matter either way. So anyway, he uh, he uh, met his father last summer, and he posted about it on his social media, and he was talking about, uh, you know, obviously it's intense meeting your, your father at the, I don't know exactly how old he was, but he's at least, you know, in his 20s or early 30s, something or something like that. Like, he's an adult. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he was talking about that, and he said he had a lot of people, um... He, um, a lot of people reach out to him. His frat brothers. He was. He's in a black fraternity, and uh, and um, that were wanted to talk to him about 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 stuff like that. And um, and it just it got him, you know, thinking about the fact that, and uh, you know, it's highlighted in the black community. But I think this is a general sort of uh, there's a ge- general sort of stigma to um, to talking about your mental health or addressing your mental health, and. Um, and I think that it's and and you know mental and physical health for that matter. And I think it's uh it's cool that uh you know this guy noticed you know noticed this problem with his within his own community and decided to do something about it. And uh, one of my friends sent this to me today, and I was saying I was like if this was in Philadelphia I would definitely I, you know I mentioned that I wanted to do yoga I was like this is the place I would go to right. And in mm-hmm. the article it says he's looking at other places like um. Like Atlanta and Philadelphia and other areas oh, in New nice. York, and I was like, "Of course, you just in LA and stuff." It's like, "Yeah, you just find the black people, I guess, based mm-hmm. off of what you're doing." <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I thought that was cool, and I love that he's. I like that he's truly spreading a little love, and, like actively doing that. I, I like that. Absolutely, that's fantastic. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, and even more to relax while I'm getting my massages and doing yoga is I'm gonna drink a, a hearty, hearty beer. By the way. I, you know, I was I was in the store uh, looking to find out what beer I want, and I was kind of going back between two. And now that I think about it, they were pretty cheap. I should have just bought both of them because I'm going to do this again in a, <laughs> pretty soon. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I really should just buy both of them now that I think about it. Anyway, um, so I was looking at them, and, and, and they were both t- a kind of beer that I haven't had before. One was a wit beer, which is a white beer, a Belgian white mm-hmm. beer. And the other mm-hmm. was a... Um, hold on. The other was a Belgian triple, and I and nice for for those of you that don't know, Belgian triples are tend to be rather strong, and mm-hmm. and the a wit beer is, tends to be a lighter beer. And I was looking, and I was like, I mean, I, I I'm not a huge fan of like the wits, like that's not re- usually my thing. But I wanted, I'm looking for something new, and this triple is uh strong as the kids say AF. Uh, <laughs> um, but I was like, you know what? I'm, a, I'm an adult. It's 5'11", 
in Philadelphia right now, so I'm clear. Boom. That's right. <laughs> I'm clear. Uh, so now I can... Many freguista. Just enjoy this. Uh, oh, geez. Sorry. Um, new setup here. Always a new setup. Always changing things around. And uh, So this is um, from a Maniunk Brewing Company. And uh, have you heard of Maniunk before? I have not. It's no, a, I have not. I'd say it's a city outside of Philadelphia, maybe about you know, 20, 30-minute drive from Philadelphia. And it's not Philadelphia. It's, you know, it's its own thing. Um, and there, it's it's it tends to be kind of a, it tends to get sort of like a young crowd, either college kids that live off campus, or mm-hmm. um, or sort of young professionals that uh, you know, say you got like your uh, your your like um, what do you call it? like your what do you call it? your entry level position somewhere? That's what I'm looking for. Okay, uh-huh. and uh, so they also have this brewing company, and uh, they so I got the. Uh, Oh, hold on. I need to. My hands are wet, but I I need access to. I need clean access to my soundboard. This is the Maniunk <laughs> Brewing Company. Monk from the Yunk. <laughs> I assume that's a pun that they're trying to do there because it's a Belgian style triple. So you know, I assume there's some sort. Of, I keep forgetting that this is uh, on camera. Ah, ooh, right. oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway. Oh uh, god, I hate myself. Um, <laughs> so as I mentioned, this is a strong beer. This is nine percent. So uh, you know, not for the faint of heart. Not but, for the uh, newbies to uh, beer either. I would say. But uh, here, here it is being poured real quick. Oh shit! Oh, look at that pour. Oh, it's a pretty good pour right there. Thank you, thank you. Not bad. So, um, so uh, let me let me just read a little bit before I actually give it a taste. So on the little side of the can, it says, um, "This strong golden color ale is brewed with pilsner malts and noble hops, but it is the tradition, <clears throat> but it is a traditional Belgian strain of yeast that provides the complex aromas of fruit and spice." With a dry finish and a relatively light body, you will find our Belgian triple very drinkable for a beer this potent. I like that. All right. Ooh. I think based on. Ooh. All right. What what are you what are you <laughs> sniffing there? It's surpri- it's surprisingly fruity just from okay. <clears throat> from the smell. I haven't taken a sip for those just listening. From the smell, it's surprisingly fruity. By the way, I say just listening because we are on YouTube. That you is can true. See Chad's beautiful face in my face and beautiful <laughs> Ghostbusters shirt. Um, and uh, can I just add while you're sniffing that, we did not coordinate flannels. No. But <laughs> we're flanneling it up today, that's way, for sure. Speaking of coordinating flannels, I didn't even plan for the black, white, and red of my Ghostbusters shirt to perfectly match the black, white, and red of my flannel. I just noticed that, that when you I said like that. That's what I like to call effortless style, my man. Effortless. effortless style. I got this from a uh, from the same thrift shop that I got those uh, paintings from that I mentioned. Oh, is that like a jacket? Like It looks <clears throat> oh, like yeah, it has yeah, yeah. Like a liner. This is a sweet oh, flannel. Oh, that's tight. It, it is a that's flannel, awesome. but it's a little bit thicker, so, it, so it, you can wear it as a jacket. So I'm not. It's, it's a little bigger if you, you can't see it, obviously, because I'm sitting down, and because my muscles really hide the size. <laughs> I haven't drank this beer yet. <laughs> I'm gonna take Sorry, a sip of this. Uh, <laughs> this Manny Yunk, 
Monk of the Yunk. Sorry, Monk from the Yunk. Um. Oh, what I was saying. Sorry, what I was saying was, it's it has a, like a juicy smell to it. Uh-huh. But like, you don't smell. I don't smell hops really, and I don't All really right. smell alcohol. You gotta give it that taste, my man. We gotta we gotta see if the smell test passes the taste test. Ooh, this is an interesting one. Okay. I would not think this was a 9% beer, I'll tell you that much. All right, so it is deceiving. It Isn't al- that what they said? Yeah, <laughs> that's, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. That's the first thing I noticed, because I know it's 9%, obviously. Is it's, it's, it is very fruity. It is very mm-hmm. fruity. And it, for those of you that can't see, it's, it, has kind of, it's, it has kind of the color of a um, sort of a hazy IPA, I'd say. Like, it's lighter than you'd expect from a beer this uh, strong, I would say. And it looks hazier than, like, a golden ale, I would say. Like, it has a gold hue to it, but it also does look like it's got some haze to it. It does. It does. Good eye there through uh, the camera. Um, That's right. Min Young Haze all in your brain. So you can taste the... um, I think what helps... And this is going to sound like a little bit of a... Mama hoo-hoo. But bear with me. (laughs) (laughs) I think... So if, if if you give it a slight second and taste it, you can taste that it's got a little bit of a bite to it, okay. sort of on the aftertaste. But I think what hides it so well is that it's so, like it's so pungently fruitful, and it's mm-hmm. not like a citrusy fruitful either. Like it almost smells like a, almost kind of like a grape or an apple juice a little bit. Really interesting. Yeah, it's not like a. It's not a great, so it's, it smells a little citrus, not citrusy, excuse me, acidic, but not uh-huh. like a citrusy sort of acidic, like a little less acidic than that. Uh, what was I saying before that? Jesus, I'm all over the place. This is good. <laughs> okay. I am you, very you impressed gotta, with this. You got to bring some of those when you come visit uh, in Michigan this summer. I, I mean, there's so many I would want to bring, bring for you. Bring them all. All right, that's bring fair. <laughs> Leave your trunk empty, bring them all, we'll have a great time. I'll have one backpack in my passenger seat and then just my entire back row Beer. folded down. That's all it is. <laughs> my Perfect. gas mileage will be 10 miles to the gallon and my hyper-efficient hatchback just because uh, it's just weighted down. That's right. Uh, It'll be yeah. worth it. So, I, I oh, I'm glad I remembered what I was going to say. What hides the um, what hides that uh, that strong alcohol number is that it's so pungent. So when you're taking mm-hmm. that sip, you're also getting a strong smell of the of all that fruit. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps hide the alcohol while it's immediately going down your mouth. But then as that you makes sense. you know as you swallow it, maybe in the aftertaste you'll you'll you'll, you'll get reminded that it, there's alcohol in there. But I, that smell is so strong that. When my face is in there, that's it. Sort of hot covers my taste buds. That makes sense. That makes a lot of Ooh, sense. I'm, we're getting good at this, aren't we? <laughs> Jesus, it looks. It already looks tasty, and I'm gonna uh, take your word on it that it it is probably a fantastic brew. I like it. Yeah, and, and I think you'd like it too because, um, you know, usually if if I want if I'm particularly looking for a stronger beer. Uh, maybe I've just listened to our, you know, untranslatable podcast episode 62's shout out to the pod, and I'm like, oh god, um, like, like I don't know, I, I just, I, I should just stop waxing poetic about this beer. It's, it's great. We've been going way too long for me to keep waxing poetic about this beer. <laughs> well, good to know though. That's really good. Yeah, shout out to the Maniac Brewing Company. Heck yeah, for sure. Well, Jared, do you happen to have the time by chance? Of course I do. 
course I did. Ooh. So, Jared, I gotta tell you, I actually did a little digging, and I found a Dutch untranslatable that I have not actually um, shared oh, on the pod. S- stop the pod real quick. I believe, you know, before we started this episode, you mentioned that you only have one untranslatable. Yeah, I have two. Oh, you I sly devil! You. That's right. Don't worry, I have a check one. Okay, the check I, one. I wasn't going to be mad. I was just going to be shocked that this mm-hmm. was the first episode in a long time that you've come right. checkless. No, I'm. I'm going to keep bringing the check as long as I can. Are we going Dutch on the check? <laughs> That's right. But we're going to start with Dutch today. All right. And this is, um, <laughs> I'm going to try to say it. Enver van mijn bed show. Probably got the last two words. And for fun mean bed show. Is it and for and for me? Far from my bed show. What bed show? <laughs> bed show. I put on I don't quite know. the bed show last night, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what bed show is. I, I would. Take it for take it for face value. All right, give me the literal again. Um, uh, a far from my bed show. In fair from mean bed show. Uh, is it like or I have a no, show I have far no idea. from your bed? There you go. How about that? Oh, a show far from your bed. Like I can't remember. You can barely remember. Far mm-hmm. away. Nope. Um, uh, give it to me. This is this is too vague for 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 my little brain. It's when a Dutch person fi- will find something. Um, uninteresting <laughs> okay so maybe maybe like it's you know if you're if you're trying to watch like something my bed like show that i put on last night exactly <laughs> no <if> you, <laughs> it's like if you if you're trying to like watch something and go to bed right maybe you want to watch something interesting right right i i would assume that's where it comes from but i'm not sure I, I, okay i see what you're saying it's mm-hmm. like something it's not something i want to you know, this is probably not what it is, but my fir- my first thought would be like, it's not something I'd wanna, I'd wanna cuddle up in bed and and, and watch. Like, it's not right. not gonna keep me. Uh, okay, my first one is Bulgarian, and uh, I'll just give it to you. Here we go. Chesa seka detone me sadbi. Okay, and, and that, that means literally means to scratch where it doesn't itch. So scratch where it doesn't itch. So I'm assuming this is something like you're doing something that's unnecessary or something you shouldn't be doing. Ooh. You're you're scratching it. You're scratching it. <laughs> I wanna give you a <laughs> I wanna give you sort of like a half ham horn. So can you, so can think you give about, me an so, example? Um for example, uh it, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. If if you were to watch a, a mafia movie, for example, Donnie Brasco, uh, you, have you heard of Donnie Brasco? I have not. Well, the nope. plot of the movie is it's a cop. Johnny Depp is the cop, actually, but he's undercover with the mafia, and he just goes in too deep. Essentially, it's okay. a great movie. Actually, okay. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. But um, what some would say about him is um, that you know he was undercover, but when he was working with the mafia for for as long as he was and starting to make real friendships with these people, he started to scratch where it doesn't itch. And um, 
you know. So getting involved in something that, or getting into deep for something that you shouldn't be doing. I'm gonna give it All to right. you. It's when you do something wrong and try to get away with it, but uh, you uh, you can't okay. hide the truth. Ah, uh, okay. So that's All essentially right. what it, what it is. Yeah, I'd give that to you. You just said it differently. Nice. All right. My my second and last one for uh, today's episode is. No, 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 yeah. no. Keep going. Keep going. My bad. Is check. And honestly, man, this one, I mean, this one's pretty straightforward, but I'm okay. going to say it anyways. Gdosi pochka tense dochka. I like the way it sounds. Yeah, it does have a little rhyme to it. Uh-huh. And it means he who waits lives to see the results. Yeah. I mean, story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a saying that it's just a saying that you know, you know, you gotta don't don't talk about it, be about it. Like you have, you can't just sit around and talk about exactly. or, or or wait for something to come your way. You have to actively get, go after what you want. Well, not only I, I think not only that, but you also need to be patient. Okay, okay, uh, that's fair. You know, I, if, okay. if you're if you're willing to wait for it, you'll see the results. But if you're too impatient and you're not willing to wait for it. Yeah. How are you going to see the results? I was a little quick on the trigger there, I must admit. Uh, <laughs> uh, my next one is Bulgarian. Um, I can only do one more. We can we can go to the... Uh, I'll do one more. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Let me do Let me do this one. Let's, I'll come back to the Bulgarian one uh, next episode. Uh, let's do this. This one is Zulu. Oh, nice. And it's uh, Nala uh, Kungeko Kudo Liasa. And it literally means even when the rooster is not present, day dawns. Ooh, I like that one. I think I think what that one means is just, you know, no, no matter what you may do or no matter what happens, things things are like out of your control. Things are still gonna happen. Mm-mm. Nope. No. Nope. I mean that is true what you're saying, but that's not what this right. means. <laughs> okay. What was it again? Even when the rooster is not present, day dawns. Um, regardless whether or not you want it to happen, tomorrow is coming. I don't know. I Let me no give idea. you an example. Okay. Um, often what I'd say normies like us might tell a celebrity is that, you know, you know, you sometimes you see celebrities, you know, you remember, say you're a fan of Sony, you remember when they were, uh, not famous and broke if you like a comedian mm-hmm. or something and then they're famous right. and they kind of, they turn into an asshole or something like that. And you and you want to remind them. It's like, hey, don't forget. Even when the rooster is not present, day still dawns. So, like, don't forget where you come from. Uh, it kind of just means that don't like like a person thinks highly, like oh, like too much of themselves. They think they're important. Uh, okay. Uh, for like they they think they're important and and you know deserve to exist more than someone else. And it's like and it's gotcha. essentially saying the day world the life still goes on even if you're not around. You're not as important as you think. Oh, so like the world doesn't revolve around you. Yep. There you go. That's the. Uh, I like that. Okay. That's yeah. good. Or they also actually they gave an English example. I don't really like it. That's why I didn't bother with it. But they said no man is an island. But yours is even better. Uh, that one I, I think your example is even I've better. I've never heard that before. No, <clears throat> I've never heard that before. No man's an I've island. I've heard it. But okay. it's not no one really says. I mean, what was the one you said again? I forgot already. The world doesn't revolve right. around you. People say that all yeah. the time. My mom told me that a lot when I was a kid. That's for sure. One of my favorite. Can I just give you one more quick untranslatable yeah, that just absolutely. came to my head? You know, absolutely. we always talk about. Um, <laughs> we always talk about how, 
or I always say at the beginning, you know, something that your parents or grandparents said that makes no sense, but you know exactly mm-hmm. what they mean. My mom used to always say to me, um, who do you think I am? Josephine Donut? <laughs> who is that? I have no idea who that is, but I knew exactly <laughs> what she meant every time she said it. And it was because of the context that she used it that it made sense. But I would say that for like the first 6,000 times she said it to me, then I just accepted it as an untranslatable. And it just, nice. it just essentially means um, like how gullible do you think I am? So I'd say it's okay. like you ask your mom, I like, like hey, can I go you know, sleep over at um, blah, blah, blah's house for six weeks or so? I don't know. That's a, mm-hmm. I can't even think of what sort of stupid stuff I tried to get away with when I was a kid. But it's just like, you know, if you try to, you know, she's like, who do you think I am? Josephine Donut? Okay. Uh, I like that. Like, I'm, I like, I know exactly what you're, you're the, what you're trying to pull one over, pull one over on me and I'm, you're not fooling me. Right. That's fair. That you're makes sense. This one that came into my head out of nowhere. I like that. That's a good a little, one. Uh, a little bonus. Right there. there we go. Nice. <laughs> I'm gonna have to start using that if you if you try to pull anything that uh, proves I'm gullible, Jared. I'm not jo- who do you think I am? I'm not Josephine Donut. I like that. It's just who do you think I am, Josephine Donut? You would never say. Ah, yeah, I've yeah. never heard who do you think I am. I'm not Josephine Donut. I don't think I've ever heard that. Right. That's too who long. Who do you think I am, Josephine Donut? Yeah, that's better. I mean, yeah, all right. Just, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, Jared, I think it's time we address our. Uh, main topic of the episode, yeah, independent language study versus uh, taking language classes. Um, so I just want to hear your thoughts before I get. I add well, my two cents. At first, when I um, when you brought this topic up to me, this topic was your idea. At first, when you brought it up, my first question to you was, "Do you mean teaching yourself language, or being taught by, say, a one-on-one teacher sort of situation?" Mm-hmm. And you know, we clarified that you meant teaching yourself a language. Now right. that seems like a whole different ballgame to me, because mm-hmm. that seems like it takes one, it takes so much more um, motivation. You have, Absolutely. and it takes self dedication. You have to actually want to learn it, and it discipline. Takes, yes, discipline. That's what I'm looking for. And mm-hmm. it also takes um, like a level of proactivity, because at least to me, I think that if you're going to self teach yourself, then you're going to have to actively find outlets to be able to speak it. You can't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I think it's impossible to learn any sort of foreign language. I mean, not impossible. Let me take that back. Not impossible. For very the, for difficult your, for your average learner, uh, it's it's very difficult to learn in a vacuum without actually speaking it. Impossible, not mm-hmm. at all. It's very possible, but um, it's just it, it it's harder. It's much harder to learn without actually actually being exposed to it. So, for example, I've been telling you that I've been struggling to find a German partner, and um, I, I think if I were someone that were more um. More serious. Oh, sorry, I, I couldn't see the light. Anyway, if I was more serious about um, about actively trying to learn a language and caring about that, I mean, I care, but clearly, how, you know, not that much, I guess. Right. Um, you know, I, I would have to, like, you know, I would have to actively be looking for that harder than I am. I think, at least, I think. Have you ever um, attempted or considered to self-teach? Uh, I'm well, in a, in a way, I'm I'm half doing that with Czech. Also, buddy, just so you know, just just because I care about you, I have Googled in Philadelphia, they have this thing called conversation exchange, which is language exchange in Philadelphia. So native language, English practicing language, Slovak, German, French um, type of type of exchange face to face conversation. So if you Google German speaking partner, Philly, that was the second result I hit. Just a, just a heads up for you. 
But, well, I think actually, like, studying a language by yourself, it is very good to have some either native speaker or someone who has studied the language, at least more than you have, where you can use them as a reference, whether it's on grammar, pronunciation, uh, vocabulary, what have you. And before I came to the Czech Republic, I did some independent study. It was more or less just basic phrases and things like this, and also trying to learn how to properly pronounce all the letters with the hot checks, which are like the hooks over them, the ch, the z, the sh, and right. the r as well. Now, not and, to mm-hmm. not to downplay what you did, because I'm proud of you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. But um, would you? Do you think? Would you be motivated to either continue Czech after you, after you leave at some point, or um, or like for example, Spanish? You've you've said that you wish you were mm-hmm. better at Spanish. Mm-hmm. Would you like just pick that si, up senor. without without being in Spain or Mexico or you know wherever you are? Si, claro. Por qué no? But we're t- but but <laughs> you're talking so <laughs> hypothetical right now. I'm saying, would you actually do it though? Do you think you have it in you? To th- that that sort of dedication and motivation to sit down at your desk every day for at least thirty minutes to an hour and practice a language. I'm gonna I'm gonna especially give if you you're my, not living in that country. I'm gonna give you my favorite German answer, and that's Jein, combination of ja and nine. <laughs> yes okay. and no. Um, I I say yes and no because I think for me there has to be some. You know, I love learning languages, but. And it would be awesome to be a polyglot, but I guess, you know, I don't have a ton of time, so I like to play guitar when I can. I like to read. So I think I could dedicate 10 to 15 minutes a day. I'm not sure if I could do a half an hour. Um, And for me, there has to be... not bad, though. Right. And for me, there has to be some type of... sit down and do it for those 10 to 15. Right. Right. And it's very concentrated and focused. And for me, it would have to be, I'm going to be traveling there. I'm going to be living there, or I want to make friends who speak this language. That's why I think Spanish would be, in a way, a bit more feasible than other languages because I do have friends who are Spanish speakers who I could practice with. A couple of them are actually Spanish teachers, so they would be great resources for me to try to have a conversation with. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very applicable for us as Americans. Oh, absolutely. And just, you know, in general in the world, it's a very... It's a widely used language. <laughs> right. And the other funny thing is we've said this on the podcast before. I love the way music sounds in Spanish. So even oh, yeah. on a musical level, to be able to understand what they're singing about is great. Although I've had some friends from Puerto Rico, Venezuela, and Colombia tell me that I don't want to actually know what they're saying when you listen to reggaeton music because it's very this is all sex, graphic and dirty and sexual. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but hey, if I you're mean, trying have you to seen find the reggaeton a... dances though? Oh, That's... I know, right? I mean, they but would it... be having sex if they didn't have clothes on, <laughs> right? But hey, you know, if you're trying to meet some some pretty <laughs> South American girls or Mexican girls, maybe some of that vocab might be useful. You never yeah. know. Yeah, but um, but Fair. yeah, to to answer your question though, with Czech, I think with Czech, I would like to get to the point where. I can maintain it and don't forget it all because that's the thing I'm most worried about. I'm not really that concerned about becoming super conversational in Czech. Um, I'm more worried about at least after I leave. While I'm here, I want to be able to use it to survive and occasionally be able to, you know, drop a couple like phrases when I'm like talking to Czech people. Parada. But, but the the thing is, is that 
and and maybe some of this has come from I'm letting I'm letting these these other people influence me. I've had so many people here, and it's really a shame. I've had so many people here ask me why are you why are you learning Czech? It's not uh, and these are coming from Czech people. They're right. saying why are you learning it? It's not super useful. After you leave, you're never going to need to use it. And although yes, those are all valid points that they're making. At the same time. I think it's it's been really fun and an exciting journey to try to challenge myself and learn Czech. Um, My question to them, mm-hmm. and maybe not to them directly, but just the first question that came to my mind as a response, because you know I'm snarky, would be, uh, <laughs> um, like, what what is their reaction to that ignorant American that comes and 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 has no takes no attempt to try to speak the language, because. I bet that it's they would be point. annoyed by that, by that sort of just co- confidence to not even attempt to try. I would, I would say yes and no. I think I've, I've had a lot of Czechs actually be incredibly surprised when I do speak the little Czech I can speak. So, and that surprise reaction makes me think maybe they wouldn't be super bothered by it. Or, or find it as Maybe very I'm ignorant. Just projecting. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not bothered by it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, for me, it was also really important to know the basics. Just how do you say hello? How do you say thank you? How do you say please? How do you order right. food? Um, you know, things like that. But I do have to also say that when I was studying Czech completely by myself, not having a Czech teacher, I meet once a week for an hour with two teachers at my school. One of them is the Czech language teacher at our school. Um, it has definitely helped my Czech. I would say the thing it's helped me with the most, though, is just my confidence because mm-hmm. I have an opportunity to practice it with someone. Yes. Um, oh, have you I, still, has that, you've still been doing those every oh, week? Yeah, yeah we you, had, we you did the English uh, back and forth one. Yep. Yep. It's yeah. So really it's more 50, 50. It's half English, half Czech. Um, and she really pushes me like we'll do sentences where I have no idea how to say these sentences and I try and I struggle and I fumble through them and I fight through it. Do you push her back? Do you do it back to her with English phrases? Her, her, the English we're covering is, I mean, so the, the language we're covering is very basic. (laughs) And so she can do the English. She can do the basic English and her, but I've noticed with her, her confidence in English has grown significantly. She speaks it more with me in the office. She's become much more comfortable. The funny thing is we before we started this kind of tandem language learning journey, we would speak in German. Her German's really good. And we would speak in oh, German. Do you miss and that a little bit? <laughs> not, not really, because we still do German. Okay. But we also do Czech, and I'll come in the office. She always likes to ask, ask me questions in Czech. Right when I come in the morning, I'm still half awake. Um, and she'll ask me questions. Fire and, and, hot. and I'm like, uh, are you uh, a coffee drinker or a morning coffee drinker? I'm not. No. Okay. I, I used to be, but not anymore. So, so my response usually is nevim, which is Czech for I don't know, <laughs> or nerozumim, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but Move it to so, Anglitsky. Exactly. But you know, I think that the thing with independent learning, you make a great point, is that you need to have some type of outlet to practice it. Now, one thing that I think is really badass is there are some people who are very dedicated polyglots. They have YouTube channels of them yeah. speaking the language and people commenting on their pronunciation, their vocab, whatever. We there's follow real... some of those on Instagram. Yeah. Yes, we do. And there's one guy that's really awesome, Tim Donor. He's great. Uh, Benny Lewis is another really famous polyglot. And there's a guy who I believe he speaks Portuguese, either Portuguese or Spanish. 
and he's learning Czech. And his YouTube is um, Tadi Gavin. Um, Tadi means here in Czech, like here's Gavin. And, Shout uh, out. And he, I've had numerous students tell me after they found out I was trying to learn some Czech, they said, oh, check out Tadi Gavin. Check out his channel. Check out his channel. And so he's actually kind of a celebrity here in the Czech Republic because he's an American who is teaching himself Czech. And he lives in the and States. Czech people enjoy watching that? I think so. Oh, that's well, interesting. I, I, I guess it I also mean, helps him learn English, too. Right. And at the same time, it's like, why, why wouldn't you enjoy it? You know, you want to see someone interested in your own culture. At the end of the day, we humans love to talk about ourselves and where we come from and Welcome everything to the like translatable that. translatable so. podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, but I think, I think as you mentioned, um, sorry to cut you off. I think no, the, you're good. Keep going. the important thing you mentioned was... When you're doing independent study of a language, whether that means you meet with someone privately once a week, twice a week, however often, or you're just doing it by yourself, the beauty of today's society is go online and find somebody who you can consult with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing, too, that's important with a language, especially independent study, I think more so than taking a course, is you really want to try to have some goals uh, with what you're trying to learn, dedicate a time each day. Doesn't matter if it's the same time or a different time, but really try to dedicate a time every day to um, learn, uh, learn the language, learn new vocab. And the other tip I would give anybody, and this goes for students taking a language course or students who are studying a language independently, keep a vocabulary diary. What I mean by this is keep a keep a small diary. Whenever you learn a new word, write it down. If your language, if you're a true beginner, I would write the the translation in your native language. If you're not a true beginner, um, you know when I do, I've done this with German before. I'll write a description of the word in German, right? And I learned this actually from a friend of mine who studied abroad with me in Austria. Um, sadly, you never met him because he was there the second semester. But he had this thick notebook. And it was filled with German words, and his vocab was oh, wow. really expansive. I and bet. so, um, so I think that's a great tip for anyone learning a language: is keep well, a notebook with vocab. That makes me happier that I proposed this Czech word of the pot at the, uh, you know, when mm-hmm. you first moved there, because it's sort of your live, your live word diary. Sort that's of. true. Um, so a couple things I want to comment on what you said. So you mentioned, uh, you know, through, you know, we mentioned Instagram or YouTube channels where people uh, uh, document their journey with learning a new language. And a lot of times native speakers, we've had it happen to our, on our Instagram on a couple of uh, untranslatable videos I've posted and butchered pronunciations mm-hmm. or literal <laughs> translations or whatever I do. Um, so um, that, that was one thing I wrote down in my notes that would be a huge concern for me. Um, and this and this is why even you know I started when I started playing piano years a couple years ago. I started for the first say two months, quote unquote, teaching myself. Uh-huh. But like I, I feel like I can notice that I was just like I was like I clearly am teaching myself a lot of mistakes right now. Yeah, and I and, and there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of um form and strategy that you can learn on the internet. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really apply if you if there's not someone in the early stages of you learning these things that's constantly pounding it into your head every time you make that mistake. Mm-hmm. There, there, there are some mistakes I, I used to make, um, like 
in the early days that now when I start to do it, there's like a voice in my head that tells me, like, don't stare at your hands. Like, for example, I always stare at my hands when I play. Uh-huh. And my teacher is trying to get me out, of, you know, get me confident to play and not look. So now, even though I still do it, I'm in my head, I'm like, you should be staring at your hands right now. Right. And I think that, um, I guess having um, that that social media aspect and having someone being able to tell you would fix that problem. Right. But the, the only thing that I worry about with doing any type of social media, I think I think it's great to share your journey with others. I think it also empowers others your, uh... who, who are um, a little apprehensive to try to learn a foreign language or mm-hmm. are like, mm, it's too difficult. You know, Czech is a difficult language. Well, check out Toddy Gavin and maybe it will change your opinion, right? Maybe it will empower you to try to take right. it upon yourself and do it as well. But the, the thing I the thing I worry about with anything online, um, there are a lot of trolls out there lurking yeah. lurking on the interwebs. And so you gotta really develop a thick skin and not take it personally when people make fun of you or do whatever, you know. Um, and that's why it's probably important to develop those relationships so you can mm-hmm. You can get responses from people you know are not just trying to, you know, be a dick or whatever. Right. And I'm sure there's also numerous websites where you can find people and do some type of language partnership. Sadly, I didn't do my research about this before the episode. I, um, I think sure another another important thing of um, of self-taught language learning is you have to know your learning style. Do you know your learning style, how you learn best? That's a good question. I've My never really claims that mm-hmm. I learn best visually, and okay. and so like or and so it always helps uh, to have like a lot of things written down on my paper, mm-hmm. and that I seem to get it when I watch other people do it and sort of recreate okay. what they're doing. Some That's people a good get question. it by hearing, or, or maybe right. by or you know their hearing is is more acute, so they you know, or, or by repetition or something. I don't I don't know, and I'm just making shit up. I would I would think I'm more of an auditory learner, meaning hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting you mentioned that. I also you're good at pronouncing things quickly. I, I, I try adopt. I, try. I mean, I'm not saying you're, you're great, like you're just, this, but you. I think you're you're good at understanding different pronunciations mm-hmm. and hearing how people. Right pronounced words is what i mean well i would i would like to think i'm obviously a little biased but i would like to think i have a decent ear whether that be for language or for music Mm -hmm. um but it's interesting you mentioned that though because i remember in high school taking tests and trying to visualize my notes but see then again i was writing my notes right i think maybe if i would have read them aloud Mm -hmm. i would maybe think back to what i said so i'm not sure if i'm more of a visual or an auditory learner um but I mean, in terms of language, I think it helps me more definitely to hear it than to read it. Right. So you mentioned um, this guy. What's his name? Toddy. Toddy Gavin. Mm-hmm. Toddy Gavin. Um, am I naive as the American to how much um, how much self taught self taught language learning is happening? Because I feel like that's not a a, a, a popular genre. Of videos here in the United States, watching people Probably trying to not. learn English, like I Probably feel like it's a very not. niche niche audience mm-hmm. here in the United States. Obviously, it exists, but right, I it's would not say like a big thing. I would say you're right. I would I would sadly think that one of the reasons why is just because a lot of you know uh, you, you know United States citizens is, don't really language learning in the United States. I don't think is as big of a priority as in other places in the world. 
just because we're very privileged that a Mm -hmm. lot of people speak English and learn English, Um, which in a way kind of motivates me a little bit more to go past that stereotype of Americans can only speak English when I can bust out. I love the expression I get from people when I bust out a couple Czech words (laughs) or when they say something to me in Czech. So here's here's a funny little. Sorry to go off on a tangent, but here's kind of a funny little story. This whole episode is tangent. That's true. Tangent. It's not even an episode. That, that is true. <laughs> that is very good point, Jared. Good point. So I was at the printer at my school to print off some materials for one of my lessons, and uh, one of the the practical teachers, like he teaches, kind of like shop class, I would say, in in a way. Um, I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but he he you know teaches a class like this. And he's an older Czech gentleman and doesn't speak any English. And so he's printing that. And, uh, and I asked him, you know, what, what is it? You know, what are you printing? He explained it to me all in Czech. Um, I forget the words now, but what I could get the gist out of it, it was like, uh, like an overview of the, the semester, kind of like a syllabus. But it, mm-hmm. I don't think it was a syllabus because the students actually had to sign it. Um, and he showed me the date oh, okay. and blah, blah, blah. And then in one of my previous Czech lessons... Um, we talked about how to ask the question, what are your favorite hobbies? And the way you say that is, um, what are your favorite hobbies? Oh, Parada. Thank you. <laughs> I've been saying that a lot to just random people. So, so that's why it's starting to roll and off the tongue a little bit. And that's great for, uh, that's a great line for, uh, you know, if, if you're out on the town or something and you're exactly. trying to, even if, even if you're not, you know, you don't have to have a full conversation, but just show mm-hmm. that you can, Hey, I can whip out a thing or two. That's right. And when I told him, he, he answered me and I understood quite a bit of what he said. He said he likes to garden, um, uh, the word for garden in Czech is um, zarada. So he said he likes to garden. Parada. He had, <laughs> right, right. He has, um, what does he have in his garden? He has pumpkins. I forget the word for pumpkin now, but he has pumpkins. He has um, onions, a couple potatoes and tomatoes in his garden. Nice. And so we had this nice conversation, but dude, I cannot tell you, I felt like I was on cloud nine. After having just a simple conversation with him because he's a super nice guy, super friendly, and I've always felt a little guilty because I couldn't really connect with him. Right. But just it, that one simple phrase opened up the opened up the gates. And and even though it it, it was uh you know, start off as a language barrier, it still kinda can't come off or f- even if it's just you internally feel like you're coming off a little standoff as you're kinda like a dick just for like not really addressing someone. But it's like, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Right. I always feel bad um, yeah. for, for that exact reason. But anyways, my, my whole tangent... Good for you for testing yourself and then right? having this great uh, little conversation. Right. But the, the reason why I also wanted to go on that tangent was that um, I think it's important regardless of your skill level. If you're learning independently or in a class, you need to go test the waters. And, you know, I learned some new words from that conversation, which... Mm-hmm. Is proof the proof is in the pudding that if you put yourself out there and try, I think people are one going to be very happy and impressed with you that you know, oh, his check's not very good, but he's trying. You know, making that effort, I think, is worth a lot more than a lot of people realize. That's a similar message I got from when I, you know, I mentioned that I went to that party last week Mm -hmm. and I was talking to that guitar and bassist and I was talking and we were talking about jamming and stuff and and he was, you know, 
ch- uh, challenging me to uh, to put myself out there to jam with people way better than me mm-hmm. because uh, you have to start from somewhere and it's better if you start you know yeah yeah you'll be embarrassed but you'll at least be soaking it in from you know people that are very experienced rather than exactly just a bunch of shitty people playing shittily right uh, <laughs> even though I guess that has a if you're actually learning. Then that could have a benefit too. That's not that not to downplay that fully, but right. And I feel like you probably don't give yourself enough credit either. Just saying. No, no, I don't. That's very true. You should. Right. My piano teacher, as I've mentioned before, half of my piano lesson is like therapy to get me to have more faith in myself. Right. <laughs> right. And I think I think that translates well to independent language learning, though. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, even when I was doing an independent study of Spanish. I actually uh, used uh, Babbel, which is like an online, you know, language mm-hmm. website. I think it's great. It actually took my Spanish from um, novice low, which is like the the you know basically beginner. true beginner, yeah. to novice high. So I jumped up nice. two spaces from novice low over novice medium to novice high. Um, I'm and that's sure my Spanish was, isn't there now, but yeah, that's what, what I was going to mention before too. Is it's I mean obviously this is almost goes without saying, but. It's only becoming easier and easier to exactly. to learn languages. You mentioned I, I call it Babbel, but what is it called? Babbel. Babbel. I always just call it Babbel for some reason because I never fully read it. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also like Duolingo, and I'm sure there are plenty of other one, apps and right. websites. I'd say those out are there. the two biggest ones: are Duolingo right. and Babbel. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, and as we've mentioned, if you have one of those apps, I actually would study Spanish the same time almost every every time. I would study it actually right. They say, I don't know how true this is, but they say that you learn best right before bed and right when you wake up. So I would study Spanish only 10 minutes a day, sometimes 20 if I really enjoyed the lessons. Um, I would study it every night before bed. And then if I got up in the morning and had some time, I would also take 5, 10, 15 minutes in the morning to study. And that's uh, another, before you go mm-hmm. on, that's another lesson I've learned from piano. Is consistency is more important than say saying you studied for three hours one day? Exactly. If, if you can consistently do it for only only ten minutes or only fifteen mm-hmm. minutes every day, just you you have to like you, it's the consistency that's way more important than just say doing it once a week for three hours, for example. Absolutely, absolutely. You make complete leaps and bounds by doing it consistently. Because it just over... keeps it constantly in your head, and you're constantly thinking right. about it. Right, exactly. And with languages, I think people don't realize that you need a lot of you know, input, meaning you need a lot of just hearing, seeing, reading the language on a daily basis. And also, eventually, when you can get to the level where you can produce the language, you also need to speak it. And the cool thing about Babbel is they have, and I think Duolingo has this as well, where you actually can do speaking exercises. Um, so you can, you know, I don't know it can, how the it can understand works. your exactly. exactly. Well, we've been amazed by Skype. It can do real time uh, subtitles. Yeah, real time subtitles on Skype during exactly. conversations. So I guess it's not shocking to um, shocking to think that you could do that on an app like that. I just that just made me think though. Just imagine like the like what that opens in business to be able to have live subtitling like that to try to like if you're doing business with other countries mm-hmm. that could right. change the game. Oh, for sure. You could have just a normal conversation like we're having and speak two completely different languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that'll be that'll be something in the future. Um, but at the same time, I think sometimes it is helpful to 
have somebody who really speaks the language because you can't always depend 100% right. on the technology. Well, especially as us that we've taken a lot of classes that involved mm-hmm. German. And I've mentioned my friend Guardo, who mm-hmm. would just write his whole thing in English, put it into uh, Google Translate, then have our TA like fix the grammar mistakes for right. him. Right. Yeah, like there's something to, like you can't fully, there's something to context and, and all that stuff. Oh, absolutely. So here's what I want I, I want to do real quick. Do you, did you have something you want to say? Uh, nope, you're good. Go for it. Uh, you know, we've been talking all about independent uh, learning, but this is about independent versus uh, classroom learning. Mm-hmm. I, I want to get your, as a teacher of English and German, any anything I'm missing? Nope, you're good. Okay. <laughs> you, could, you could tack on music on there, but I haven't done that in a long time, so okay. you're good. <laughs> and previous music teacher. Well, I mean, clearly, as we've noticed through this conversation... Half of the uh, principal, like most of the principals are the same anyway. Right. Um, I would like you to defend uh, defend classroom learning and why you think it's superior. Or, or you know, I'm putting I was words just going to say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. If, <laughs> I don't know let, why Let me I give some that. advantages. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, know if it's... And disadvantages, both, right. please. Right, right. Well, From the perspective well, of the teacher that does right. it every day. Before we do that, can I just run through real quick the advantages and disadvantages of independent study? Sure. Yeah. So, Give us so, a little, ad- uh, so advantages, recap. I think, are, I mean, the clearest advantage is um, you get to learn a new language, right? I think mm-hmm. another advantage with independent study is you can kind of set your own tempo or pace, right? If you have five minutes a day, great. If you have 30 minutes a day, great. If you have an hour and, a day, perfect, right? And choose your own uh, like learning materials. Exactly. Exactly. So you have a lot of flexibility and, there. And but I subjects, think some of the for example. Right. I think some of the downsides or the negatives though of independent language learning is you have to be motivated. So it's mm-hmm. not for everyone. You have yeah, to you be that not discipline. only motivated, but exactly. You need the discipline. Um, and then not only that, but tagging along with motivation and discipline, you also need to set goals and realistic goals. And if you're a new language learner, you may not be able to really know what those goals might be. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, nowadays with the internet, I'm sure you could find some good goals, some good um, you know, kind of benchmarks. benchmarks to try to shoot for. Exactly. Great nice. minds think alike. <laughs> um, exactly. And they wear flannels. Um, but yeah. And so, so I would say those are some of the, positive, the pros and the cons of it. But I think learning a language independently can be an incredibly rewarding experience and it's worth the time, the effort, and the struggles, I think, at the end of the day. Now, let's move on to uh, language courses. Do you not think... Mm-hmm. I, I would I would still argue, before you move on, I would still argue, mm-hmm. as a con, is that even though you have the input from, you know, if, if you do things through YouTube or Instagram or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're still, I think, hurting yourself as far as pronunciation goes. I, I feel like... The people that like you can always notice, and this is not really specific to individual learning, but you can always notice the language learners that were exp- even whether they're good or not. At least in my opinion, not always, but a lot of times, whether they're good at the language or not, mm-hmm. I feel like I can always notice the people that were exposed to it and by like learned it through exposure versus classroom learning. Even the good speakers. Yeah, I well, I would agree, but I also think. I think pronunciation has a lot to do with how good of a listener you are. And I okay. think it doesn't matter if your exposure is through classroom learning, through watching movies, through listening to music, through living in the That's country. Fair. If you're not a Maybe good listener, I don't I'm think it really matters. 
Uh-huh. Sorry, maybe I'm projecting my style of learning on it because uh, mm-hmm. repetition is is very useful for me, and and so maybe like my fear is just repeating the wrong thing over and over again. But I think over time you could probably correct it. I think I could is be wrong. Is there something about that. too? As me and my piano teacher always talk about learning the mistakes, and then it's even harder to for, to fix that to make that correction. I think I think yes. Or is that think ha- yes more and, of a problem in, with music? I think yes and no. I mean, well, I think it's different when you're doing something more physical, physically hands-on, with like the music. muscle memory. Exactly. However, language is also muscle memory. I mean, you have to mm. learn how to make the produce the sounds properly, right? Right. But but the other thing is, I think in terms of pronunciation, unless you're pronouncing it so horribly that people don't understand you, I mean, on a realistic level, we're always going to have an accent, right? Um, right. Unless you learn at a very, very young age or you're just that gifted of a language learner um, or that good of a listener. So so I don't know. I think it really depends on the person. I've met a couple people who have learned English through some really like interesting self-study ways and they speak it very well. Okay. Um, so I think it can be done. But well, a lot I take of it. That back. Well, but you're not wrong. I mean, it's a very valid point. But I think it helps the, to have that constant reinforcement. Right. Like every time, every time you theoretically, you know, right. theoretically, every time you say it, there'll be someone to be like, it's said this way. Right. Although there's some research that shows that that doesn't, it works, it works better to, in some cases, it works better not to stop them and say it's said this way, but to just kind of repeat it, but repeat it with the correct pronunciation. And ideally mm. over time, we hope that by hearing the correct pronunciation, it'll eventually catch on. Whether or not that really happens and how often that happens, it's a different story. But Mm -hmm. anyways, moving on to learning languages in classes. So um, I think there are a lot of advantages, but also some disadvantages as well. I think the first advantage is, and this is in an ideal world, we're we're talking about the, the ideal classroom, the ideal situation, here, in theory, we would hope you have a competent teacher who is setting realistic goals for your language learning progress, right? So if you're mm-hmm. doing that by yourself, you have to do that by yourself. And you may not have the knowledge um, or the understanding of how we learn languages to do that. Whereas, you know, and someone what like... stepping stones would be right. that you're trying to hit. Exactly. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I'm, I'm going to toot it. And I'm going to say toot I it. feel fairly confident that... I can step in a classroom with beginning, intermediate, or advanced level learners and be able to kind of, in my head, have an overview or like like an arch of where these students should be going within the next four months, five months, Mm -hmm. six months, whatever. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, You don't want to do it, but I'll toot your horn for you. Thank you. And so so I think that's one of the big advantages of when you take a language class. You're you're good. You're good. Um, That's one of the big advantages. Um, But the other other downside of that is if the goals are unrealistic or if you're not as uh, disciplined or motivated or engaged as a student, those goals might not be realistic or they might not be challenging enough for you. And the sad thing is if you're in a language class – you're kind of stuck at the pace of the class. You have to kind of go with the average speed of exactly. the class. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So so that that can be a plus and a minus depending on where your le- well, language level e- is. Even in general, you know, when people are in especially sort of the younger kids, you know, in elementary school or middle school, 
people are off you know you often you often hear that sort of cliche that the hyperactive kid or the kid that can't focus is usually the smartest kid in the class right and they're just not challenged mm-hmm. yeah was, i would say yeah. a lot of times that's very true and and so so yeah but the other thing is with with private and independent language learning in theory the focus is all on you mm-hmm. which is good and bad it puts a lot of pressure on yourself but it also pushes you a lot more with language classes I've had English classes here in the Czech Republic where I'll get maybe maximum one or two sentences out of a student. And I and I don't like to be that teacher that is just constantly picking on students and constantly calling on them. But at the same time, my goal in ev- every time I step in a language classroom is I want to hear every student speak. Right. You're Whether teaching all of them. Exactly. Whether that's they report back to me in front of the entire class or if I can... That's why I usually in my classes have them do a lot of group work mm-hmm. because it's not time it's too time consuming to have every student tell me something and maybe right? that helps too um because they're not put on the spot they're with exactly. their friends or, or classmates so it's not as embarrassing to mess exactly up. but the but the the straight up downside to that is a lot of students will then revert back to speaking their na- native yeah. language mm-hmm. with their friends um, I've been which, there before when in my early German learning stages, uh, like in the like the beginner classes. I found myself doing that too. I get it. Right, and see, some of that has to do with it, you know you mentioned being in beginner classes. Some of that has to just simply do with your language skills aren't up to par yet. So your teacher probably didn't give you the, the correct scaffolding or vocabulary you needed to complete the speaking activities, or they gave you too much time, you completed it, you got bored, and you revert back to English because your German's not good enough yet to just, you know, kind of talk about whatever in German. Right. And so I've tried very, very hard now to be incredibly mindful of how long I will have my students speak together doing group work. And if I notice everybody's speaking Czech, I immediately stop it. And we right, either of course, they yeah. report back to me or do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, other, the other positive about... Um, taking a language class is if you're really dedicated, you have other students that you might be able to talk with. So you have immediate speaking partners inside and outside of class. Like you and I, I'm going to toot both of our horns here. (laughs) I would say you and I both did a really good job after we studied abroad in Austria and spoke a lot of German outside of class. I think so. Yeah, that's very. Yeah. And I, I feel like I would never do that. But I felt very fortunate to have, uh, you know, someone that I, I knew was just as happy to do it as as I am, and I think that's hard hard to find like that. It is, especially it, so. You know, I also felt kind of lucky because you're an actual German teacher, or at least you're in the process of it at the time. Right. So you had those, and you were better than me at German, still are. So you kind of had those like teacher instincts, so we could have normal conversations, and you could still sort of correct me as we go along, as right. I always say. Like one thing I'll never forget is I had. Um, I'm going to give three late, very late shout outs to students that studied abroad with me in, in Germany when I, when I, was, I went Austria? as a German teacher. No, no. Oh, oh I went okay. as a German teacher with Michigan State. I had um, three students. Oh, and you were teaching study abroad students German. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Interesting. Exactly. They didn't in have a Germany. German. They couldn't Ger- find a German that wanted to teach German in well, Germany? Well, well, we had a German teacher from Germany, but we also had a professor from MSU, and I went as a graduate assistant. It was a great, uh, okay. great position. I'm we should actually do an that. episode about that <laughs> at some point. But anyways, okay. Um, 
the the thing about it was I had three students, Ryan, Elliot, and Alex, and all three of them had told me, we are committed to speaking German. We want to speak German the whole time we're there. And I have to say, they did a really good job. They only spoke English a couple times, and it was usually because other students weren't as dedicated as them. With me, right. they always spoke German. With my uh, with my boss, they always spoke German, and they really put a lot of effort forward to to doing that. And uh, and then they also would do that when they came back to the states. And whenever they talked to me, we always spoke German. And so we I think should, a lot maybe of maybe we should get back into that habit. By the way, you and I, we should. We probably should. You're right. The untranslatable um, podcast is going Deutsch. That's right. That's not true. That's Off not true. Gates. That's right. That's not true. Subscribe. We, we, we will. We will. Our, we will. Our <laughs> all of our English speakers subscribe. Right. <laughs> get a big boom of listeners from Germany and Austria. And, and I mean, I guess I wouldn't hate else. that. Right. But anyways, so so I think that's the cool thing is if you're really passionate about it, and I I think it's safe to say we're kind of German nerds, or at least we were. Yeah. Um, and and you have someone to share that nerdiness with, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, I think you could find those people. You would just, it would just be a little bit further out of your, um, what am I trying to say, Immediate, Jared? immediate circle. Exactly. You have to actively search for people rather exactly. than just have them sort of handed to you through a classroom. Right, right. And the other thing, too, with the classroom is you have, in theory, you should have that expert, that teacher in there that's mm-hmm. able to um, correct you, make you feel more confident. My One of my goals here when I came to the Czech Republic was... <clears throat> I really wanted to get all of my students to feel comfortable and confident in their English abilities. Whether or not they were great, average, or terrible, I wanted them to feel comfortable and confident enough to speak not only with me, but also with their classmates in English. Yeah, that's a good goal. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like I'm not here to make you perfectly fluent and... Um, exactly. In you know four months or whatever it is, but I at least want to like like the goal is not for me to make you fluent, but if I can make you comfortable enough to try to use this more often, mm-hmm. then you know then your job has been done, I guess. Right, and I and I also think another really big advantage of language courses or classes is there's a lot of opportunity for fun ways to learn the language. I think when you do independent study, at least when I think of my German classes versus me independently studying Spanish or or Czech. Um, to me, it seems more serious. When I was studying Spanish and Czech, I enjoy it, and so that's why it's fun. But my mm. German classes, we would play games that were fun. We would have interesting discussions, right? And so there's a whole different environment um, that you're encapsulated in when you are in a class, right? I try to play games with my students. You know, I try to bring humor into my lessons, and it's it's hard to do that when you study by yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess it's hard to play games by yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Is there a German solitaire that uh, could help uh, with language <laughs> learning? <laughs> you never you never know. You might have just come Count up with, with a your billion numbers. dollar idea right there, Jared. <laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah, and I think the other thing, one of the disadvantages, though, is I think people put too much emphasis on improving their language skills via a language class. I think people mm-hmm. think, oh, I'm going to take... German in high school for four years and become fluent. I took it in four years. I feel fairly confident to say I was fluent or at least could really hold a good, solid conversation after three years of German in high school. But it's not because of... You're an anomaly, by the way. 
Well, sure, but it's not because of the three years in high school. And it's no disrespect to my German teacher. I had an amazing German teacher. Um, shout out to Frau Z. She was fantastic. No, it's not disrespect to her, but as I meant, you're an anomaly. You actually well, care to learn it. Exactly. And I did a lot outside of school. Exactly. And that's where I think the majority of the learning happens. I think language classes are great. If you think of your, your this is maybe a crazy example, but if you think of yourself as a language learner, as like building a house, right? Okay. I think <laughs> I think the language classes put a, can, <clears throat> can put a solid foundation mm. down for your house, right? Yes. But for you to be able to build up those walls and fill in those rooms with beautiful IKEA furniture, mm-hmm. you need to do a lot outside of class. You need to build upon that foundation. Exactly. You need to watch mm-hmm. movies. You need to listen to music. You need to try to speak it with people, whether they're native. To, to be honest, man, I've heard so many people here in the Czech Republic rave about the fact that I'm a native speaker. But I think what's more important is to have a competent speaker. And that doesn't mean native. My colleagues at school speak really good English. And so to be you honest... Do you, I mean, I, was, I guess I was going to ask, do you, how do you feel about non-native speakers? teachers of other languages but i guess that's you with german so you're fine yeah. with it i think if their <laughs> if if their language skills are good i think it's no problem right i i, I think it's safe to say so people you've learned... want it's 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 people want that native like they feel like they're getting uh, a higher level am i sure. wrong i feel like no, i'm 100 percent no, right no you're 100 percent like getting, you're 150 like percent right yeah because you, you and david were talking uh about how you guys are almost kind of celebrities there, and they yep. and they showcase you off at yep. other schools. Yep, <laughs> look it's, at this American we got. Right, it's like the sh- it's like the the you know having that shiny, fresh coat of paint on a new car, right? Or it's mm-hmm. it's it's that 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 More extra construction style uh, metaphors we're working with here. <laughs> e- exactly, because like because the thing is like, I know a lot of native speaker teachers who are here. And I'm sure they're fantastic teachers, but because they haven't been trained and they may have not learned a foreign language, they're just not conscious enough about their native language, mm. which translates into, I think some non-native speakers might be better teachers at, of other things, of grammar, of ex- explaining why, you know, like I had here, here, Jared, I'm going to put you on the spot. Why do we use farther versus further? That is one I often struggle with every time i use one of them i'm always like uh which one for example and i want to get i want to know the answer to this but for example with lie and lay whenever i always feel kind of weird saying lie like i lie down but that's how you're Mm -hmm. supposed to say it that's the correct way to say it correct nobody says it properly everyone says lay down when you're talking about getting in bed which is not the proper way to do it so anyway further and farther please because i would love to know first i want to i want to address the lay lie thing first Okay. Um, sorry, I'm getting into my teacher nerdiness. Is about to kind of, <laughs> it's coming out. It's bubbling and it's coming out. But um, but I don't so we have what I was activating when I asked you that question. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, disclaimer: Whenever you talk about things like this, it's bound to happen. But the difference is, we have what we call in second language acquisition, prescriptive rules and descriptive. And prescriptive means the thing you should say. Right. Mm. It's also kind of like who and whom. I don't right. know any American that I would talk to in a regular conversation, say whom, right? There there are times when I feel like I'm supposed to be using whom, but I don't because I'm like, oh God, I'd sound like such a douche. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then you have descriptive, which is what you actually say. So who right. or lay uh-huh. instead of lie, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what that dilemma is. 
And a lot of language learners obviously are taught the prescriptive rules. They're taught to say lie. They're taught to say who. But that's how language transforms over time. Theoretically, you know, give it another 100 years of that, and it's just like if that's lay is going to be the only word we use to describe right. that. True. Very I true. guess. Maybe. But anyways, no? further further and farther. So yes. you prove, you prove, well, can you explain it at all? Like if, um, if, if you were teaching an English, English class and your student asked you, why, why should, when should I use further versus farther? Or why, what's the difference? Can you think of an answer? Ha- well, I'm going to assume that it has something to do with whether you're talking about a, an action or, or get, explain it to me. I, I'm just butchering this now. So, well, so that was my point. Okay. I wanted <laughs> I no you idea. to butcher it. I wanted <laughs> you to butcher it because most native speakers can't explain things like this because we just know them. We intuitively know them. Right. We know when to use further versus farther. But I don't think I, but I think I noticed that I don't like, like I noticed I was like, I'm not sure which one I'm supposed to use even when I use them. Well, th- they can be used somewhat interchangeably. So okay. that's why it's a tricky example, and that's why I wanted to give you this one. Plus, my colleague gave me this example two days ago, and at first it caught me off guard, but I thought about when I use it. And I think the trick is you have to really think about when do I say farther versus further. And the difference is farther is used for physical distances, right? Like mm-hmm. he traveled farther than I did, right? Or go, you know... Um, yeah, you need to but, go a little bit farther down the road. Now you could but say you further, further down a conversation. the road. Right. And now further is more for metaphysical, like like not physical distances, but more abstract concepts, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm, I need to think a little bit more, you know, I need to think, well, I, I guess I would never say that, but I, I need to think But you, you know, could, more it wouldn't further. sound weird. That doesn't sound right. weird. To, right. I need to look further into this. Exactly. Thank you. That's a way better example, right? And so that's in terms of it's a different type of distance, right? You're diving right. deeper into a topic, but you're not going, you know, you're not driving more miles down the road. I um, think that might actually benefit the independent learning because I feel like you have more of an ability to, granted, you could just do this on your free time, even if you were in a classroom, but it would be right. the independent learning side of it to actually, because I feel like it might be hard in class to call out every like every sort of subtle mistake like that. Oh, you can't. And 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 you wouldn't want to because you're just over, wasting o- time. Well, right. And over time students will overcome a lot of those mistakes. Right. It's, so it's that just might a natural process of language learning. The end of in, independent learner because if you're actually curious about why it is you use whichever it is you use like with accept or accept with an A or E or whatever, right. you actually have the time and ability to to research it if you feel like it. Right. Granted, if you are aware enough to know the diff, like to, to notice there is a difference. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's the one advantage, though, with a language class, mm-hmm. is your teacher Touché. should be aware, and 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 point out these differences. Right. Yeah. 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 So, but, but if you're if you're focusing on some other topic, there's not time to stop the class for every sort of nuance like that. Sure. Is there. Not really, but you have to, you know, you have to pick your battles. Pick if, your, it's, yeah. if it's worth explaining, then I would say take the time, you know? Yeah, that's or, fair. Or, or, or if just, you hear it enough, if, like if it's like, you guys keep doing this, so maybe I should right. take some time to uh, right. address this. Well, well, one thing I hear a lot with um, any English students is the, the third person S. So he has. A lot of people say he do, he have, he, mm. he walk, uh, you know, and, it, you know, we need has. Um, does walks right 
But yeah. this is also more reasons why English is way more difficult than other languages to learn. Uh, well, that's a, that's a whole nother. Uh, I mean, that's Pandora's pretty consistent box. in other but, languages. But if you look at other languages with verb conjugations, it's much worse. German, it's worse. Right. Czech, it's worse. Yeah, you're right. Let's not get into it. <laughs> right. So exactly, exactly. But anyways, <laughs> but see, that's the great thing about language courses is your teachers, if they're aware or if you bring it to their attention, they can talk about these things with you. Now, mm-hmm. if you're doing things by yourself, you need to reach out to someone. So, so in a language class, you have a closer proximity of a teacher, a classmate, you can ask whatever. I think at the end of the day, unless you're really good with the internet and you're an open, outgoing person, language classes will offer you more speaking partners, right? Right. And as I mentioned, it's just a different environment um, than mm-hmm. learning by yourself. It can be more fun and more lighthearted. It doesn't have to be, but I think it can be depending on your teacher. Um, right. Right. So yeah, you do you can, have anything yeah, else to add? More variety of activities you can do with more people. Right. Uh, no, I think you you did a great job. That was great. You know, I asked a question and you answered it thoroughly and beautifully. That's what I was looking for. Well, I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. This is this has been a fun fun episode. We may we may even have to revisit this one in the in, not in the near future, but in the future and do a. 2.0, um, especially I, I after I do some more language study. Uh-huh. I mentioned we were overdue for a teaching-specific topic. I didn't realize how overdue we were. <laughs> right. I guess so, huh? I guess so. Well, Jared, I think it's time to uh, loosen up a little bit. And yes. uh, that brings us to our song of the pod. Have you ever heard of this guy before, Jared? Jose Feliciano? No, but I'm obviously very familiar with the song. And what is the song, Jared? It's uh, Light My Fire. Who who is originally by? It's some sixties band or something the like doors. that. Well, there you go. Right. Um, yeah. So I what do you know? I assume you know uh, Jose Feliciano. Yes. So so I first came into contact with him, um, in high school. Uh, we were we did a lesson on different interpretations of the Star Spangled Banner, and I actually mm. of course gave a presentation on Jimi Hendrix's Ooh. Woodstock rendition. That's a hard one to actually give a presentation on that's a pretty intense uh it was it was actually really easy i think because it was so intense right it's so like the the symbolism is very clear in your face right and the funny <laughs> thing is uh my my history or no this is my ap government teacher he knew i was a guitarist and loved Jimi hendrix he actually mm-hmm. let me bring my guitar in and i played my own rendition of the star spangled banner did you do it like Jimi hendrix where it was just like no. uh not not okay. quite. I did it different <laughs> so, because did it take fifteen minutes. Right. No, mine was probably three or four minutes. Um, was nothing like Jimi Hendrix's. That's on another level. But anyway, so so Jose Feliciano actually did a Star Spangled Banner rendition um, at Comerica Park. For our listeners out there who don't know, that's where the Detroit Tigers play. Oh, cool. So the Michigan yeah. uh, uh, baseball team, Major League Baseball team, and it's a really cool rendition. It has kind of a Latin vibe and feel to it. Um, and he's a he's an amazing guitar player, fantastic musician. Um, he was born Is in Puerto kind of the Rico. Old, old guy, he's been around for a while. He's been around for forever. Yeah, and uh, he's also blind. Um, okay, and, and is a fantastic uh, player. But I picked "Light My Fire" uh, by him because it's just it's a great song. It's a great rendition of it. It has a really cool feel to it. I also really like the way he sings it. It's a lot different than the way the Doors sing it. But I and you had to light that fire to uh, to be an independent uh, light that fire underneath your ass to be an independent <laughs> language learner. Exactly. But what are your thoughts on it, Jared? I like it. You know, 
something something in me whenever there's some sort of cover or something that happens you know we've talked about with with the when i went to the chamber concert or other songs mm-hmm. we've talked about i sometimes i struggle with covers because all i think about is the original version of it mm-hmm. um but i it, this I, I but not to downplay jose because i enjoyed this i enjoyed his cover of it it's not that it was bad and it made me want to look more into this guy he he has a um I bet you he's uh he's got a lot. I mean, I know I'm I know he does. I'm sure you've listened to more of his stuff. But I can imagine myself liking his stuff. I like his style. His style reminds me of hmm. I don't know, but there was a period in 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 my life where one I listened to more music and I listened to more like sort of classical rock stuff like uh mm-hmm. like in college and a little bit post college and stuff like that. And I can imagine myself listening to this. Right. It fitting into that very nicely. Oh, absolutely. And I mean the 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 guitar playing of his is so great. The the different mm-hmm. little ornamentations he has on it. And you know, I agree with you with with covers, it can be hit or miss. And when I look for covers, I really try to find a cover that's gonna say something different than the original. Because it's like, what's the point? If you're just gonna right. play it exactly like they you know, some people Yeah. More musical purists would probably argue, oh, you have to play it the way they played it. But I mean, the cool thing about music... But that's more of a classical thing. Exactly. That's not a modern day thing. Exactly. And I think the cool thing about music is the way to interpret and play it in a different way. Give it a new, a a fresh feel. I think when it comes to modern music, the thing is more, you don't want to just... No one wants a cover that just sounds the same because it's never going to... It's... Even if it's quote unquote better, it's never as good as the original, because right. the original was also written by that person and they had a specific vision in mind for that song. So you, even if it might be musically better, if, if you look at it scientifically, it's still not better most times because that's not how m- music is not purely just scientific like that. Unlike right. classical music, which I think has way more of that scientific nature to it. Well, I think with classical music, you're trying to send the message that the composer tried to write, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I think with covers, because covers generally aren't via classical, you know, it's not classical music, right. it's rock or it's pop or it's jazz or whatever. I think these different genres of music lend themselves more to improvisation, to changing the music. Whereas classical music, was suppo- it, was, it was written in a certain way, you're supposed to play it in a certain way, mm-hmm. right? Whereas you have other types of music like rock where, you know, you can play it all sorts of different ways. And and yeah. I bet you Zipstrom, Michael Zipstrom would disagree with you. Remember I mentioned that he had some pieces that were sort of remakes of of, of songs? Mm-hmm. I, I, I would love to hear his opinion on that because I bet you he'd disagree we'll ha- with we'll you. We'll have to that. ask him. But what, yeah. what, right. But what I'm trying to say is if it's a piece written by Beethoven... In yes. theory, you should be trying to emulate what you interpret Beethoven's message, right? Now, if you mm-hmm. write something that's inspired by something else, I think that's a whole different ballgame. But but let's leave it because we can talk about saying. it more. Yeah. I see what you're saying. But I'm, let's I'm, leave I, it. We I, can talk I, more I about you. it with Jipstrom, which I think will be a, a very interesting episode. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, Jared, as you mentioned... Teaser right there. That was just dropped. Right? Um <laughs> So um, I do want to mention uh, my check word of the pod today. And this is a useful phrase for our independent language learners or learners in class. And it is uchimse, which means I am learning or I, I learn myself. 
It's a reflexive, like in German, you have reflexives. You also have those mm. in Czech. For mm-hmm. me, since I'm learning Czech, I think I have the ending right. I may have the ending wrong. So if I do, to all of our Czech listeners out there, I apologize. To all you other listeners, you don't know the difference, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so here it is. Uchim se Czeski. I'm learning okay. Czech. Uchim okay. se Czeski. Maybe mm-hmm. we need to replace that. Mluvite anglicky. With this one. Right. This one or, might be getting or, a little old. Or mluvim trochu Czeski. Mluvim trochu Czeski means I speak a little Czech. Okay. All right. So, yeah. All right, Jared. Well, now it's time to give you a joke. And I wanted to give you a German one today since uh, we've done, I think some. I think it's safe to say we've done some independent study of German on our own, but also been yeah. fortunate to take a lot of German classes. So, mm-hmm. Jared, to a German, what comes between fear and sex? Ooh, I don't know. What is it? Fünf. <laughs> That's good. Right? For, the, uh, for those of you that don't understand that joke, uh, between fear and sex, you know, in English we hear, that's a little, little sneaky code switching you there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, fear and sex is, yeah, fear and sex, but in German, fear and sex is four and six, and in mm-hmm. between that is fünf, which is five. Exactly. So I figured you'd enjoy that one. It's not I an do. original, but it's a very good joke. It's kind of like why was uh, seven afraid of, or why was eight afraid of seven or something? Oh yeah, why was eight? Af- no, why was nine afraid? Why was eight? Why was six afraid of seven? There we go. Seven, eight, nine. Thank you. There we That's go. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of which, here I'll give you one more joke. Okay. This one's a good one, in English and Spanish. So if I if I have to explain it, I will happily explain it. But it goes. Um, Como se dice zapato in English, which means how, how do, do you say, say shoe? You got it. How do you say in English? Ooh, you got it. Parada. Uh, um, so, yeah. So, how do you say shoe in, in Spanish? Como se dice zapato in English? In English. Uh, a shoe. And then they say salute. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I get right? it. Salute right? Salute is God is bless you. Because it sounds like you're sneezing. A shoe. Yeah. A shoe. Yeah. A shoe. Yeah. So kind of funny. No, I, I got it. I know you did, but I, I want to explain it for our listeners out there, just in case they didn't get it. We can't assume everybody <laughs> learns Spanish, That's Jared. Fair. We can't assume at all. I'm starting to get a little offended. I was like, no, I right. got it. Right. I, I knew you got it. I knew you got it. You were not the one I was worried about. That's that's for sure. Uh, sorry, I forgot we have a... It's not just you and I sometimes. Right. That's true. But, you know, it usually feels like it's that way, which is kind of nice. We hope, we yeah, hope all of our I, listeners get the uh, very bro-y, um, intimate vibe of uh, the Untranslatable podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, moving on, I have a, a good quote today um, about language learning. And this is from Roger Bacon, who was like, a, I believe, a philosopher, also a friar. So this guy, you know, goes way back. Wow. Um, and, and he says... Knowledge of languages is the doorway to wisdom. Mm-hmm. We've had a, a quote of the pod long, long ago that was similar to that. Maybe even said by Benjamin Franklin, if I, if my memory serves me. But uh, yeah, uh, it was some. I think I, I don't remember if it was Benjamin Franklin, but yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And what the quote said before that was like that was like it's not even just it, like it goes to it's so much more than just learning the words and grammar. You you're learning a, a culture through through their language mm-hmm. or you know a, a aspect of their culture. You're not you know. Right. I'm not going to claim that you that you understand a culture fully just because you can speak their language. That's not how it works. But you're learning right. an aspect of it. Oh, and absolutely. You can better understand people, mm-hmm. not not just literally but figuratively as well. Right. And I also think you 
build a deeper understanding of yourself as well. Yeah. Through learning a language. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah. So yeah, so I think that's a good quote to wrap up our episode today. Mm -hmm. And so we really thank all of you out there listening. We hope this was a helpful episode for you um, to weigh some pros and cons of um, independent language learning um, with or without a private teacher versus taking language classes. I think the important takeaway of this episode, though, is regardless which you choose, kudos to you for taking that first step to trying to learn another language. You know, you've already gone farther um, or further than most, (laughs) uh, see what I did there, that most people have and will in their lives. So um, really a big shout out to all of you out there trying to learn a new language Mm -hmm. for whatever reason you have. Um, I think, I hope that you will have a great... Talk that calf out of that heifer. You're, you're good. That's what I meant to play. You're, you're good. Um, you know, we <laughs> hope to that get my color coding right. R- right. <laughs> we hope that you can uh, learn a little bit while uh, listening to our podcast, and we hope that this episode was helpful in terms of some tips um, and tricks, or at least not m- maybe not tips and tricks, but some pros and cons of the different ways you can learn language. Um, if you are looking for tips, let us know, and we are happy to give you some of those. You can reach out uh, reach out to us via Twitter untranslatable one check us out on instagram untranslatable podcast or if you want a more detailed answer you can shoot us an email at untranslatable podcast at gmail.com and uh i would be happy to give any of you some tips uh-huh. on what to do if you're studying the language yourself i think we have touched on some of those you know find a language partner somewhere try to find someone as well to kind of help you um and you can consult with when you have questions in terms of Taking a language class, you're lucky where basically just be there physically, mentally, emotionally, and I think hopefully you'll make some steps in the right direction. So we really appreciate your support. Check out our various social media channels. Give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. We would really appreciate it. We thank you all so, so much, and we are looking forward to the next episode. So we hope you have a wonderful day, evening, or morning, whatever time you be, you are listening to our episode. So once again, thank you. And here at the Untranslatable Podcast, all we have to say is, Yekuyeme. man.